On October 18, 2021, Christopher Ayers passed away. While many of you know Christopher for his iconic performance of Frieza, he was also the voice in many other shows and a talented writer and director as well. While Trinity Blood is not the last show that we will talk about with Chris's performing, writing, and directing in, it was the last episode that we recorded prior to his passing. We want to extend our condolences from the Dub Talk podcast to the heir's family, the heir's friends, Christopher's friends, and especially Christopher's partner, Crystal Laporte. We thank you, Christopher, for the beautiful life that you have, and we hope that we can live up to your expectations as a person in the world. We vow at the Dub Talk podcast to fill it with love and laughter always. Thank you, Christopher, for your wonderful work over the last years. And we ask that you rest in peace and rest easy. Thank you from the Dub Talk podcast. Good evening, ghosts and goblins. Tonight is all Hallow's Weeb here at Dub Talk, and we figured it would be a great night to talk about the thing that goes bump in the night. Vampires! I, Megan, mistress of the weebs, have called together my two uh, friends. And one boyfriend to talk about the most superior type of Halloween thing. No, not zombies. No, not tiny little girls that murder each other in the woods. But the one true kings of Halloween, vampires. Tonight, I have my favorite concubine, Roots of Justice, a.k.a. Patrick. I don't drink wine. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> Break character is my mom just came in. <laughs> Timing. Timing, cut that out, please. You are not my mom. We don't have that type of kink. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Conceal, don't feel, don't let them know. <laughs> let and it my- go. <laughs> This all, please also put that as a full breath into the episode. <laughs> and I have my my second best concubine, Stephanie. I I was informed that I would get some nice cookies, maybe a t-shirt out of this. Am I still getting those or was I lied to? No, you're still getting them. They're in the mail. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, enough of that shit. Hi, guys. Welcome <laughs> to Halloween. Hooray! <laughs> It's spooky time. I love spooky. I love that. Am I getting am I getting shit in the mail? Yeah, you're good. I got it. Tonight, See, my, my other here. my other option was either to start howling and say, "Oh wait, no, I'm in the wrong one." <laughs> That's next year. <laughs> or technically, because of um, a certain love confession in uh, a show two weeks from now. Um, <laughs> Anyway, tonight we are here to talk about an anime that I love that is a very big part of my child, my teen years, and that nobody... Uh, okay, let's just be real. We're here to talk about Trinity Blood, the 2005 anime from Studio Gonzo Yay! that Funimation dubbed 
And let's be real, they don't make shit like this anymore. No, they don't. I if miss this want- Visual K bullshit. Oh, have you man. ever wanted to see Visual K have a three-way with sci-fi and a vampire? Congratulations, welcome to Trinity Blood. <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> just like summary. Visual K to begin with, though? Yes. But now it's in space. Okay, there we go. There's and more and vampires. And there's vampires who eat other vampires. Um, and and like sci-fi lost technology horseshit. Somebody, there's literally a railgun angel at one point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, objective. Okay. So the plot summary from Anime News Network is as follows: The background is the distant future after the destruction brought about by Armageddon. The war between the vampire and the humans continue to persist. In order to protect humans from vampires, the Vatican has to rely on other allies to counter the situation. Uh, Abel Nightro travels from countries as the representative of the Vatican. However, he is a part of the AX, a special operations unit controlled by Cardinal Katarina. His encounters with a young girl uh, named Esther will determine the struggle of the survivor between the human race and the vampires. Now, that's the pushy shit explanation of what actually Trinity that is all about. That is as bare bones as you could possibly get. The story that is in more detail from the Wikipedia plot summary is as follows. Oh, oh boy. boy. Here we go, boys and girls. Sit down. Strap yourselves in, kids. When the Earth's population drastically increased, the humans, le- humanity led by the United Nations attempts to colonize Mars. Eat your heart out, Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah. During the colonization, <laughs> they discover two alien technology, the Basilicus vaccine and the Kruznik nanomachines. The, cons- the colonists that in- injected the Basilicus into their body, which transformed them into the vampiric race known as the Methuselah. They installed the Kruisniks into the body of four test tube babies. Seth, Kane, Abel, and Lilith, whose enhanced bodies are the only-, only ones able to survive the procedure. Continuing the wars on Earth eventually led to Armageddon, the apocalyptic events that happened 900 years before the start of the story, and the colonists returned to Earth to help rebuilding. However, when the colonists returned to Earth, a war broke out between the Methuselah and the humans who had remained on Earth. Not spoiling that part. Uh, During this war, Cain went insane and killed Lilith in grief. In grief, Abel took her body to the Vatican where she was buried and remained at her side weeping for 900 years. At the start of the story, the Methuselah still a, pol- a major political and military force continue to win the war on the Terrans, as they call the human inhabitants of Earth. Uh, the Church is a major military tower, demon to protect the humans from Methuselah, which has seen itself as based in the power of, uh, base of powers in the Vatican. The Methuselah have their capital in Byzantium, which, hint, hint, wink, wink, if you know the actual history of Catholicism, is actually kind of a nice, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> Uh, so basically, there's a civil war between the vampires and the humans with great space technology, airships, lasers, and vampire powers. Uh, it also looks like the early 2000s, and and walks like it, and talks like it. Basically, they don't make shit like this anymore, and they really don't let Gonzo make shit like this anymore. Can I also just say, because you were doing like reading the more plot s- stuff in detail, the whole fucking thing about the Mars project and all that shit, you don't really find that out until the last fucking episode, actually. Oh yeah, you literally don't find it out until like a, f- a five minute flashback in the last Right! Yeah. It's like, it comes way out of left field, it's like, what the actual living hell is this? And at that, but at that point, you're like, you know what, sure, fine. Whatever, yeah, at that it. point you're just oh. like, all right, all right, just, just let's go. <laughs> I believe right, anything at this point. Ooh, there's chicken and beef on this. The, the, the fucking con- plot plot consistency is awful, by the way. 
No, it's not. The show makes perfect sense. How did fucking Dietrich get that data cube after fucking Radu just blew up? He already had it. No, he did not. He was he took over Radu's body, remember? And then he Both of you to assume that he wasn't like literally sneaking around in the background. Um anyway, oh, fucking, we'll, we'll get to that later. Fucking Abel would have sniffed his ass out, let's be real. <laughs> the show gets frustrating for me. Fair enough. Uh, Alright, so we're here to talk about this dub, all 24 episodes, which are on Funimation streaming, and were dubbed by them back in the early 2000s. Oh boy. Which, oh boy. Um, let's just say this. I think this is actually one of the first dubs they handled after the mass success of Full Metal Alchemist. Correct. So, uh, get ready for some jank. Mm-hmm. Alright, so our director is longtime Funimation director, Mike McFarlane. And this show has a lot of writers, including Mike McFarlane, Sean Whitley, Sean Michael Teague, Spencer Prokip, and John Bergmeier, who, based on ANN, says he head wrote the whole thing, which I believe he did. But it also says he handled some episodes, and by the point I was putting this cast list together, I didn't want to have to go through a bunch of episodes to determine who did what. Um, so, Mike McFarlane, you know, is the director of series such as Full Metal Alchemist, Baki the Grappler, and the Galaxy Railways. He also wrote shows such as Beck Mongolian Chop Squad, some of Kodacha, and Mushishi. Sean Whitley, you'll know, is the writer of Cat Planet Cuties, Sekirai, and Aquarion. Sean Michael Teague has worked on series such as Beat the Vandal Buster, Code uh, Case Closed, not Code Geass. Um Case Closed and Salty Ray. And saying, Spencer- Code Geass is a completely different show. <laughs> yeah, and Funimation didn't start handling that up that until uh, later on in life. Uh, Spencer Prokip, you'll know, is the writer of Darker Than Black, Triple Octolic, and, uh, Kenichi, The Mightiest Disciple. And John Bergmeier has basically had written a bunch of stuff, and if I... So, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm very tired. I literally... Okay, like, full disclosure, I literally just woke up before recording this. <laughs> it's cool. We're, we're You're good. Alright, so, uh, while I still wake up, uh... Steph, you can start us off. Oh boy. <laughs> I was actually kind of hoping to go first, so thank you for that. Um, so, <laughs> so, we didn't bring this part up. This is a Dub Talk Classics episode, so I'm going to quickly... So, my experience with the show. Back in the day, this used to be on Adult Swim in the middle of the fucking night. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. And I would see episodes here and there while it was airing. I think this was around the same time as fucking... Blood Plus was the other big one I think that was on. Blood Plus was another big one. Paranoid Agent I think was either before, or during, or after that point. Probably reruns of FMA as well, because it was fucking popular shit. Um, but I never saw the whole thing before until like five, six years ago. <laughs> when I bought it, and I think I did, when I used to do reviews on my old blog, I think I reviewed this back in the day, and I remember how frustrated I got with this show by the end of it. But, uh, anyways. So, coming back to it, after, like, five, six years, oh boy. (laughs) Um, in terms of the directing and writing, I didn't really have many major issues. Um, because this is, this seems like a pretty straightforward um narrative for the most part thanks gonzo um pretty straightforward narrative and so the directing and the writing did accommodate it as such unfortunately (laughs) unfortunately and when we get to this character much later on um i'm gonna say this 
to no fault of their own, there were points in that person's performance that were... Mm, but again, to no fault of their own. <laughs> and you know exactly who I'm fucking talking about. Oh, I know exactly about. what you're talking about, and I disagree with you. Well... I'd say the only part that gave me an issue was the loud screechy noise, like, loud screaming and stuff. But again, to no fault of their own. Because I liked them in their quiet moments. Um, but I digress. So, the fact- the fact that there's so many fucking writers on here, and the story managed- the writing and the story managed to at least stay consistent throughout, like, kudos. Because there's, like, five- four or five fucking writers on this thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm here to talk about something we don't usually talk about. <laughs> and that's the mixing on this. Oh, God. You... We, we mentioned a few times that this is a very early Funimation uh, dub. The mixing on it is not great. Because there are m several moments, and I had to confirm just to be sure... That it's not just <laughs> the show in general. And Megan helped me confirm it. Um, there were moments where I either had to turn the TV up because the performances and the dialogue was so fucking quiet. Mm -hmm. Or I had to turn the TV down because when you get the action scenes and you get like gunshots and explosions and all this fun stuff, it's so fucking loud. So like yeah. I'll I'll start it'll start off really quiet and I'll have to turn up to like hear them and then all of a sudden a big action scenes happen and it's like overpowering and it's like oh my god I'm gonna blow my ears out so I have to turn the damn thing down. The mixing on this is not that great, <laughs> unfortunately. I think that's the one one major gripe on like the technical side that I have with the show, um, which is unfortunate. And I quickly looked it up beforehand. There's like. While there is only one mix engineer attached to this show, there are, like, five or six sound engineers attached to this show as well. So there were a lot of hands that had- that got a hold of this. Mm -hmm. And... I applaud them to make it sure it was consistent. <laughs> I applaud them that much. But, my god. You would think that someone would try to level things out. Mm -hmm. But... I, I imagine back then, there again, there was a lot of learning curves, so I can't be too mean to the show. Um, it just sucks, because I had to <laughs> turn the TV up and down, up and down, over the course of 24 episodes. Mm -hmm. um, but directing-wise, a lot of early casting in the Funimation pool, including a lead character... <laughs> Probably, like, one of their very, very early voiceover works, which is very interesting. Um, and then it's the writing. I I didn't really have a lot of issues with directing and writing, honestly. I didn't see anything noticeable. It just see it, it did go pretty straightforward with the show itself. It's just on the technical side, the mixing is probably the little bit of the jankiest part. But otherwise, mm -hmm. I thought it was fine. Thanks, Steph. Patrick? Yeah, um, I largely agree. Um, this is very much an early Funimation dub, warts and all. Um, I think a lot of the performances were, were fine. We'll get into each of them as we go. Um, direction was kind of in that learning process, um... Script writing was largely okay, but there was a lot of moments of 
Oh yeah, you're going to die. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, you're going to die. And when you die, it is because I killed you. Kind of weird <laughs> up right. and down script writing. It, it but, likes to be a little hammy. However, comma, um, with a show like Trinity Blood, that actually kind of adds to the experience. Yeah. Because um, mm -hmm. it in and of itself is just... The show itself is janky as hell, and the dub is an absolute treat when you take that into consideration. Um, the casting runs the gamut of the old mid-2000s Funimation Guard, um, which, again, not a problem even now, but it it is weird to see, to come back around and see the beginnings of a lot of people who would become mainstays for... Well over a decade, decade and a half. Um, oh, I should probably also mention that my first experience with Trinity Blood was largely the same. Adult Swim episodes off and on because, you know, I wasn't going to stay up for it unless I did. Um, this was also a frequently voted upon mainstay with a group of friends that, of mine that would get together and play D, D on Sunday nights and then get together and watch anime. It would frequently make the pool, but it would never get voted on. That's funny. So I only just watched it in its entirety for this episode. But overall, uh, like on the technical side, yeah, this is pretty much early Funimation, even with like, especially with the sort of early janky audio mixing that sort of plagued a lot of their early Blu-ray releases. So, yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty much done. Okay, cool. So, my experience with this was um, very much largely the same. That I would stay up very late at night and watch Trinity Blood when I was like 14 or 15 years old. But then I got annoyed by having to wait weekly for episodes. So I would go on YouTube and watch them. <laughs> Trinity Blood, episode two, part one. Yup! Yes! Part one of three, baby! Hell yeah. So I watched the entirety of it as much as I could in subtitle, pirating it on YouTube back in the day of like... That's funny. YouTube could only have 10 minute long segments. That's funny. Um, I think that's how I watched like 2001 Fruits Basket back in the day, actually. Like, I used to, I, I fucking love this show. I have always really liked this show. It is weird and janky and silly and dramatic and I loved the dub. Like... There's obviously a part of me who is now nearly 30 years old and will be 30 after three weeks after this episode goes up. Uh, where it's like, yeah, my nostalgia for it, the logical part of my brain is like, yeah, the mixing on this is very, very janky. It's the dialogue's too soft, the sound effects are too loud. Um, but the nostalgia part of me is like, this is perfect. Nothing will ever taint the stub in my eyes. I don't care how janky it is. 
It is my beloved, my precious. No, nostalgia-wise, I, I get it. <laughs> like, yeah, nostalgia-wise, like, I 100% get it. <laughs> nostalgia-wise, like, this is fucking great. Like, no, it is. They don't They don't make dubs like this anymore. They don't make shows like this anymore. Oh, Gonzo God, isn't no. allowed... Gonzo isn't allowed to do bullshit like this in Last Exiled and Samurai 7 anymore. And then you have, uh, like, other ones like Gunkutsuo as well, so... Yeah, Gonkutsuo would... If Gonkutsuo was made today, it would have been done by Science Saru. Oh, probably, yeah. For real. Um, But, like, I think, to me, the thing that I... That stood out when I watched this as a 30-year-old was actually how good a lot of the banter in this show is. Yeah. Writing-wise. Like, this show has some genuinely funny moments at times. And I I read a review from ANN from years ago when the Blu-ray of the show was released. And the upscale isn't very good. And they said that sometimes the dialogue felt way out of place compared to what, like how somber the Japanese was. But I don't remember a lot of the Japanese. But like some of my favorite lines include, uh, Please don't curse around me. I am still a clergyman. <laughs> and uh, would you like some water? Uh, do you have any water? Well, there's water all around us. Do I look like a sewer rat to you? <laughs> But there are also Ashta just some... just great. I fucking... We'll talk about my bisexual awakening later. I love her. Um, I think the cast is actually genuinely pretty well put together. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a lot of people who like to meme on this show's dub because of one person's acting. But I was actually genuinely surprised how s- solid it was. And uh, even for an older... Funimation dub there are still some names that I was very surprised to see because they don't they didn't really carry on outside of that era Mm -hmm. or if they did it was very minor stuff in in newer age stuff there are some people obviously who are big long namestays but there are some others who aren't so Mm -hmm. uh and and also be just a testament that the writing does actually make sense even though it was in like a bunch of people's hands it never really comes off as like a fucking crazy drain of like incoherence right it had it had Uh, it it had a through line it had a through line was coherent all right so i'm good with that uh are you ready to move on to the first set of characters yeah yes all right so let's take a trip to jolly old albion i mean england i mean albion (laughs) albion to talk about the what is the last four episodes of the show which is the I think it's the Crown of Thorn in the in the Throne of Thorns arc. Something like that, yeah. It's something. I have it. A lot I of thorns. A... a lot of thorns are involved here. You know what? I'm pulling up the episode list because the arcs are actually... They yeah. They have names. They have names and it's like one, two, three. Three, four. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's the Throne of Roses and the Crown of Thorns arc. Yes. Which are the episodes 20 through 24 of the show. Uh, We have Mary Spencer, who is the acting general of Albion. She essentially takes care of the Pope and Esther while they're there. And then shit goes down because of Vanessa Walsh, who is one of a pair of Methuselah twins that lives in the city who believes that after all this time, because the Methuselah of Albion have been forced to live in an underground ghetto and produce the technology that makes Albion so famous, they want their time to escape that and have a better life. And along the way, uh, shit happens. 
Uh, and we find out that Esther is actually the Queen of England. Yeah. Yeah, because the main reason why Esther and the Pope are there to begin with is um, the funeral of the Queen who uh, just passed. Queen, yeah, the Queen of England who died. Right. And Esther kind of, her job literally becomes, she's good at being an envoy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Playing Mary Spencer is Clarion Harp, and playing Vanessa Walsh is Monica Rial. Clarion Harp, you'll know as the actors such as Say in Burst Angel, Gina Palki in Gangsta, and because I saw this name and I could not, could not not put it on there, Chiquita and Jormungand. Chiquita Banana! <laughs> Monica Rial, you'll know as characters such as Michiko Malandro in Michiko and Hachin, Mela Leona Vermillion in Black Clover, and Alma in Radiant. Uh... Patrick, do you mind starting us off? Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. I don't have a lot of opinion on either of them just because their story arcs are kind of really compacted into those four episodes. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I almost don't remember any of Clarine Harp's performance as Mary Spencer. Oh, wow. Um... Like, this is also kind of one of the earlier instances of Big Girl Monica, so, like, can't complain. She yells, she she gets angry real good. So, honestly, that's all I really have. Mm -hmm. Uh, Steph? I also don't have a lot of notes (laughs) on these two, (laughs) oddly enough. Um, I have, like, zero notes on Claire and Harp, though. Like, not even kidding. Yeah, it's, I'm really happy she's in this, because she's never in shit. Yeah. No, yeah, like, you never, you don't often see, like, Claire and Harp was a pretty, like, a pretty decent mainstay in, like, the early 2000s, but mm-hmm. nowadays she, you'd be lucky if she, like, popped up in something, so. Like, I mm-hmm. think it's, she's on the technical side of things, like, she actually authors the yeah. discs Funimation puts out. She does. Yeah, she does. So, so you've seen her name in the credits a lot. Yeah. But not on the acting side. Like, you always see her name in the credits, but you, yeah, you never, you never see her pop up acting-wise. Um, at least nowadays. But I do like how much of a authoritative tone that Mary has, um, taking control of the situation. Because she's the one who has assumed control until they figure out who the hell is going to inherit the throne in fucking England. At this point, I'm just going to call it England. I don't fucking care. <laughs> it's England. <laughs> Let's be real. Um, and then, yeah, like Patrick said, this is one of the early instances of Big Girl Monica, um, which is always a delight. We love Big Girl Monica voices in this in this podcast. We really do. <laughs> um, and Vanessa just has this, like, passion to her. Like, a, sen- a little bit of a sense of authority, but she has this passion to her. Because um, all she just wants is the Methuselah to, like, have their freedom and not just stay stuck in the ghetto for forever, like they had been for centuries. So, I like both of them. It's just they each kind of had moments in the in, in the arc, but they weren't really big deals all that much. So they kind of ended up fading in the background to me partway through. So. Yeah. Uh, I'll go on. I actually put them here because I genuinely remember, if there are things I remember about this show, it is literally episodes 
15 through 24. <laughs> it is the last two arcs of this show that I remember in vivid detail. Uh, so I like Clarion's performance a lot. It has a lot of the military authoritative figure without sounding too rigid. And it also gives a sense of empathy and someone trying to uh, connect with other people. And I'm never going to complain about Big Girl Monica voice. Um, she does a fantastic job as Vanessa. And it actually sounds the least like Monica when she's in her Big Girl voice because it's so early on. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So... Anyway, time to move on to the next set of characters. Sorry, that was super short. That was very quick. <laughs> yeah. In we which do have I a lot have... of categories, There's though. a lot of fucking characters. We're gonna be here for a while. Yeah. Which I have, I have very much, and I hope the editor puts in here, labeled, Nobody Expects the Inquisition. Yes! The Inquisition. The Inquisition are... Da, da, da. The Inquisition. <laughs> Look out, Sin. Uh, the Inquisition are basically, like, the other side of the AX. They are, they are headed up by Francesco de' Medici, who is one of the two cardinals. He's kind of, he's Caterina's asshole brother, who oh, believes- such a dick. Who believes not in diplomacy, but beating the shit out of each other with nukes. Um, Yippee. he does not believe that humanity can negotiate with the Methuselah. He sees them as nothing but monsters with technology. And there's actually a really great line where uh, Katarina yells at him for thinking that they're subhuman, even though they have a military might and technology that is civilized. And all he says is that, well, it just makes them more dangerous. Um, And he has his two top knights, uh, brother Pedro Orsini and sister Paula uh, Sawski. Petros! is the big Templar night guy, and Paula is the quieter, more sneaky one. Uh, also, Petros has a spinning drill lance and rocket boosters. He's cool. <laughs> playing Petros is J. Paul Slavins, playing Paula is Wendy Powell, and playing Francesco is Josh John Gramillion. Uh, J. Paul Slavin, you'll know as Breaking Boss in Cash and Sins, Wiper in One Piece, and Obu Nodi- Oda Nobuhide in Kochoki. Wendy Powell, you'll know as Emmy, uh, as Emmy in Baki the Grappler, Envy in the Full Metal Alchemist franchise, and Yuki in Midnight Occult Civil Servants. John Grillian, you'll know as characters such as Makoto Shinju in Area 88, uh, Daiju Monabe in Eden of the East, and Gentle Criminal in My Hero Academia. Uh, Steph, you get us started. Uh, so yeah, Steph, you get asserted this time. Sorry, there's a truck trying to, I think, maybe get into... Are you getting in here next to me? Because you are very loud and my audio is picking you up. I can't tell. Uh, my, if my audio magically picks up a truck, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> so, these two I have notes on because they're in more than one arc. Um, or three, actually. <laughs> Your original cast list just had uh, Pietro and Paula together. <laughs> and then we were like, Francisco deserves to be down here with these assholes. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I can't really call Pietro and Paula assholes after they actually, like, helped Listen. them out in the last arc, too. Um, because, okay, the one asshole in this show, in terms of the Vatican, is fucking Francisco. <laughs> like, we're not even gonna front... Francisco is, and oh, fuck it, we'll talk about John first in that regard. Francisco is such a dick. 
He doesn't give two shits about peace and prosperity. He's just doing a lot of the things he does for, like, fucking power grabs half the time. Like, <laughs> and John, John Gramillion, like, really plays that very, very well, because that is a different John. That is not the one I want. Um, ba 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 ba. Where is my note on John? <laughs> he's both he's both power hungry and an asshole, and it's just like if anything were to sum it up, it would definitely be the last arc of the show where he decides, oh. The Pope's in danger from these fucking terrorists. Let's bomb the fuck out of them. And if the Pope dies, oh well, it was God's fucking will. He died as a martyr. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then Katarina's like, are you fucking shitting me right now? <laughs> it's our little brother. He literally would shit himself. <laughs> like, it's, it's, ugh. John Gramillion can play smarmy assholes very, very well, and Francisco's no exception to that. Um, J. Paul Slavins. 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 Fuck. Like, my, my, my brain to mouth is wanting to flip the L and the A. <laughs> Slavins. Um, both of them, him and Wendy Powell, are kind of like the brute strength folks you would expect because J. Paul is like <laughs> I'm sorry my brain said I said J. Paul and my brain was like Jake Paul what <laughs> I'm sorry that's when my brain decided to go at 3.30 in the afternoon um Slavins <laughs> we're gonna go Slavins um he is very much this rough and gruff, rough and tumble kind of guy, but he is very, very devoted to his mission and his goals. And that's why, like, when Katarina requests him and um, Paula to help her rescue Pope Alessandro, instead of him getting fucking nuked to orbit by his fucking brother, <laughs> they agree to do it because he is, like, like full of has a huge sense of duty and is faithful to his mission, and that is to protect the Pope at all costs. So it's very, very good performance there. And Wendy Powell, it's always a delight to see Wendy Powell and things. And it's such a delight to see her come back and things nowadays, too. It's... Oh, I love it. Um, Wendy is kind of the more... At least moderately more intellectual and more strategic-minded compared to Pietro. Um, because Pietro, nine times out of ten, is just like... Dives in head first into situations and is like, Leroy, oh, Leroy <laughs> Jenkins. Jenkins. Pretty much, that's Pietro's character in a nutshell. Um, but Paula likes to take a more strategic approach to things, and I think Wendy displays that very, very well. Because um, the first time we're introduced to them is during um, the Eon arc, um, where we first meet Eon, and they're trying to hunt him down because apparently. People, like, they, they think that he tried to attack Katarina when that wasn't the fucking case. Um, and then sabotage and all that fun stuff. We'll talk about that in the, in the next section. Yes. Um. Mostly in the next section. Mostly in the next section. But, um, no, I love Wendy. She has this, like, 
strong, level-headed approach to things and is much more strategic. So we got one who's very strategic, the other is just straight Leroy Jenkins and all this shit. And then Francisco is an asshole, so I think they all worked out very well. Thanks, Steph. Patrick? Leroy! <laughs> Literally throws himself at an airship. Yeah, he actually does. Oh, didn't he fucking die in the end? No, no he got away. He's a... No, he gets away with Paula. Oh, yeah, he does. I he literally he... rocket boosts away. I'm sorry. I was in and out of... I was in and out of watching the last episode, mostly because I was trying to get things ready in time to record what we were considering doing earlier. But <laughs> don't worry. It's fine. Um, okay, let me start with um, Francesco de' Medici. Um, he's great. Like, John Gramillion is just this really forceful but charismatic kind of like strong man um you don't come out liking the guy but like it, it's just this it's a really strong performance for the show and um j paul slovens and wendy powell are an absolute delight whenever they're on screen um, they are just the right balance of meathead and ambiguous morality that is just, like, I, I really don't have too, too much to say about any of these three characters other than, like, they're just an absolute blast to watch. Um, particularly with Petro, like... He is just this blunt brick wall. Just an absolute meathead of a man. And I think J. Paul Slavins did, did a spectacular job just giving him that... Oh, boy. That meathead. I, I'm running out of words, and this is, like, one of my favorite... Just this is one of my favorite collective groups that we'll be talking yeah, about. They're fun. They're a lot of fun. It's okay, take your time. But it's just this meathead charisma, I guess. Like he is absolutely dumb about everything, but you're just like, you know what? I'm gonna follow this guy. He may not know what he's doing, but I think I'll be fine. I got this. It's no big deal. And Wendy, Wendy Powell is pretty obviously the smarter of the two. Um, she mostly just kind of beats Petro into... Or uh, browbeats Petro into basically um, following through on whatever their mission is. Because uh, Petro... While he doesn't want to admit it, he kind of has a crisis of faith in the, um... Oh, God. In the what... Albion arc? Yeah, what was, um... Oh, what was the name of the arc with, um... Ah... Uh... With Ian? With Aaron? With, uh, yeah. Eon? With Eon. 
Oh, yeah, with the beginning of the, uh, shit, I, I got it for you. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I can't At remember the, beginning, the, uh, the city. The, um. That's uh, not, um. The, uh, Carthage. Carthage, thank you. Or as they call it, Cardigo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's Carthage. Yeah, the Carthage arc. Um. Which carries over with their continued appearances, um, particularly in England. Um, I, I really like that sort of transition where they're like, yeah, we technically can't help you, but we're going to help you anyway. Yeah. Because we respect you. And we owe you a favor. And they also and owe, they also owe them a favor. And it's like, we don't want to see the Pope die. That's stupid. <laughs> Are you fucking nuts? That's a bad idea, no matter how you slice it. Again, Francisco, power-hungry asshole. Francisco, uh, but please. yeah, <laughs> like I said, this is one of my favorite groups collectively that we'll be talking about. Um, they all did a great job. Uh, and then that comes to me. Uh, I'll start with Josh, uh, John first. I think he does a really good job making Francesco sound threatening and cold. Uh, he also very much sounds like a person who is in denial of the world around them. Because not only does he believe that the Methuselah can't be peace and negotiated with, he also causes a lot of other shit to happen. Yeah, he's the reason why a lot of shit gets fucked up throughout the show. Like, how Rome almost gets destroyed by a sound bomb. Yeah. Yep. Because he's like, our uncle can't be evil. Surprise. Fooled you. <laughs> um, and just, he is genuinely just such a disgusting person. Yeah. Because he's willing to sacrifice his young brother who is a big baby like the biggest of babies in the series yep um for the sake of starting civil starting a giant another armageddon war again again if he dies it is god's will fuck well, you man <laughs> and just like he hasn't had the racism as bad hammer hit with him yet yeah um Wendy as Paula is, I think, a lot of fun because you don't get to hear Wendy play a lot of these types of characters um, anymore. Mm -hmm. I think that she does a good job being kind of the more sneaky one. But at the same time, I like that you kind of get the hints that she might have more than uh, platonic feelings for Petros. Um, I thought that that was well woven in. I also like the fact that the show actually does do a decent job of very quietly weaving in people's alliances uh, because you know that the reason Katarina has her number is because she helped her during the um, the lead up, the Car the Carthage part. Mm -hmm. That's why she helps her. Is she was helping her during Carthage because she killed the night hunter that Dietrich sent. Yes. So they're they're okay with each other and I think that because she knows what Katarina's going for, she's more willing to work with them. But at the same time, she also isn't willing to give up. She's the last between Pedro and her to give up her faith, her her biases. 
And J. Paul Slavins is hamming it up as Pedro. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> like Pedro is unsubtle as shit. Oh, yeah. But he also gets down because Pedro is unsubtle as shit that Pedro has a heart that is loyal and true and that he's willing to put aside his biases yep. for the greater good. Absolutely. And I really like the part where Eon and him talk in the Carthage arc and John's delivery of, I will be your ha- your shield and halberd, but the second we're done, I'm getting your head. Um, yeah. And then just him going full Leroy Jenkins on the tank. <laughs> because, you know, electro no th- tank. No thoughts. Just Leroy Jenkins! No thought, head empty, warrior for God. Um. <laughs> yup. God Slayer 69 has entered the chat. <laughs> or God Defender 89 has entered the chat. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, but that's all I have for them. So let's move on to kind of one of the first... The... the what I would call the major arc of the story. Yep. Um, which is the New Human Empire. A.K.A. the, the, night, vis- the night Visitors arc. Which is by far the best part of the fucking story. Yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah, arguably, yeah. I fucking love the Night Hunt. I love this arc so much. So, we have the Empress of the New Human Empire, the Queen of All Methuselah, Augusta Vaderica, or, as she's actually known, Seth Nightroad, a.k.a. Abel's younger sister and one of the test tube cruisenics. Mm-hmm. Her pa- re- Remember how in Fire Force, Rika Fajardo's character has the barred tuba of freezing death? Yes. Imagine that on steroids, but with tuning forks. <laughs> and I'm going first in this segment to explain a lot of things. Oh man, you're right. Oh boy. Act, acting as her face is Mirica Fortuna, who is uh, Eon's really, really hot grandma. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, uh, I completely thank you, vampire. I, I Thank can- you, Vampire Aging. I, was um, like, I completely forgot how young she was. <laughs> how young she looks. How young she looks, yes. I was like, oh, wait. Um, she is in on the whole assassination attempt against the Empress the entire time, working in tune with Seth to outsmart the Order of Rosencrantz, as well as draw out into the open the people who stand against her. Uh, and she also works as Seth's, uh, basically her right hand. Then they have we have Sullyman, who is one of the emperor, the bear, one of the uh, nobles of the New Human Empire, who believes himself to be uh, no longer favored by Seth because he cannot understand her motivations, and turns against her with the order, with the help of the order, only to well be shot through the heart. And you're too late. You give love a bad name. And then there is Radu, who is the Baron of Luxor. He is. The, uh... Oh, fuck, what the hell is that term? Tavares. Who is essentially a partner that you would die for in Methuselah culture. Mm -hmm. To Eon, who has betrayed him because he believes that he cannot be seen by the Empress and stands against her ideals. However, it is very much that the Order is using him and he eventually becomes a body serf for a bigger character, for a more villainous character. Yes. Um, but he works with Suleiman with the multiple attempts to uh, kill the Empress and blame it and frame it on Eon and Esther. 
And unfortunately, uh, things don't really turn out for him, and Radu gets the uh, sonic boom, if you could, let's go with that. <laughs> yeah, for lack playing of better phrasing, yes. Playing Seth Nightroad is Hilary Haig, playing Mirica is Jennifer Seaman, playing Sullivan is J. Michael Tatum, playing Radu is Jason Lebrett. This is the only role Hilary Haig ever drove to Funimation for. And until her role as her reprisal as Tethala, Tessarosa, and Full Metal Panic, Invisible Victory, this was the only role she had ever done for Funimation. Huh. Uh, but like I said, you will know her as Tethala Tessarosa from the Full Metal Panic franchise. Uh, <laughs> Satsuko Mideyoshi from Ghost Stories. You can fuck with my friends, you can fuck with my family, but don't fuck with my cat. <laughs> Um, I mean, I I relate to that. That is one of my favorite ghost stories lines. I relate to that because um, my cat moved to the floor now. He's been sitting next to me this entire time until now. So. Baby. Baby. And, and uh, Rosette Christopher in Chronic Crusade. Jennifer Simon, you'll know as characters such as uh, Akeguni in Basilisk, uh, Hon Ona in Hellgirl, and Ryoko Naruse in Shangri-La. Uh, J. Michael Tatum is a name that I think everybody here is familiar with, but if you're not, he's characters such as Magwald Zargon in Blasterder, Michael Kohara in Gairai Zero, and Ten Ten in Oedo Rocket. And Jason Lebrecht is also no stranger to this series, being characters such as Kisaraki Simon in Basilisk, Train Hartnet in Black Cat, and Shaoran in Tsubasa Reservoir Chronicles. We still need to do Black Cat sometime, dude. Yeah, we do. Stop reminding me. I know. I just you just reminded me. I'm like, oh. Uh, that's another old Funimation dub that Mike McFarland did. Aww. Um, that know. also came out while I was in high school. I haven't watched that in years. I haven't either, actually. Oh man. Um, so I'll start this off because again, this is my favorite arc, so I know the most about this. Uh, I love Hillary Hagas Seth. She plays Seth is a really complex character. She is a little girl that is this old, like, 900-year-old-plus empress that knows that she was born to be a test tube baby. And you you get to see it later on in the flashback when Abel is a young child living in the space station that even she fears Kane as a young girl. And it is her fault that Kane got to Earth in the first place. Because oh, yeah. she figured... If we drop him from space orbit, he'll burn up in the atmosphere. Oh. Except Whoops. for he didn't. Oops a daisy. You fucked but up. But I like you fucked up. I fucked up. But I the thing I really love about her is the way that they actually go about introducing her into the series is that you know uh from the end of episode eleven that she is the Empress. Yes. Because you hear her talk at the very end, and Hillary's voice is very distinct. So if you're paying attention to voiceover, you will know that uh, Mirica has a different voice than what we have. But of course, you could always be like, oh, well, she's using a, no uh, a voice modifier. Because when she reveals herself to Sullivan, she's using it too. Mm -hmm. And then it's revealed, and he's like, what the fuck? And everybody's like, what the fuck? And... The thing I like it is, is that when she's just the little kid, the tea seller in the town. And I love the fact that she disguises herself as that so she can know, quote unquote, her children better. That she, she's very playful and the very much Hillary Haig of, oh, hey, that's Hillary Haig. 
And then she switches into Empress mode. And the scene between her and J. Michael Tatum where he's tried to kill her but he misses the shot. Because Sullivan can't bring himself to kill her. Mm-hmm. Even despite all of the things he's tried to do, he still loves being in her service. And just the just Tatum's performance is heartbreaking, and just Hillary's response of where he's like, "I can't understand you, and that's why I did this," and her delivery of, "If I had all of the answers myself, I would have told you." Basically, how she's such a character in conflict that she herself doesn't know who she is, even though she knows what she's done. Yeah. And then there's the part where she goes full Kruznik and basically turns the man into ash. Oh, that was just so satisfying. I also do want to give credit to the to the uh, monster effect on her voice and all the Kruzniks because it's really good. Mm-hmm. But if you're really, if you catch on really quick, you know that she's the one who is. Because she turns one of the Death Hunters into it while Esther's asleep. Yep. Oh, uh, well, Esther's out cold. She turns into her Kruznik form and, and Ash is a motherfucker. Yeah. It's awesome. Seth is cool as shit. She's very cool. Uh, and then, uh, I'm not really familiar with Jennifer Seaman's work very much. I think she does a good job holding herself as an older but not too old character. I think she does a really good job playing the Empress face. So having to play a character who is very much acting like another character is something that... I've always thought is something very impressive, so I want to give her compliments. J. Michael Tatum is on point as fuck as Sullivan. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yep. It, it felt like a very modern day J. Michael Tatum performance, even though this was fifteen years ago. Um, he always had it. I think that he does a very good job playing Sullivan as both the slimy asshole that he is, and being that face of. Just like, I'm really a good guy. I've never done anything bad. I love the Empress. How dare you accuse me? And then slowly but surely as that mask is fading, I love the part where he starts fighting Seth on the uh, the cliff near the mausoleum. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's how she knows that he's against her the whole time. Because she's like, He's. I, I love the part where it's like, you even drew your weapon against me. It's like, I never drew my weapon against you. Oh, fuck, I drew my oh, weapon really? against you. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. The reveal is just like, yup. <laughs> I just love everybody's reaction just being the fuck, the fuck, the fuck. Oh, fuck. Uh, Solomon being the oh, fuck. And Jason Lebrecht as Radu is another case of a character acting as if he's another character. Um, Obviously, the Radu that is the real Radu dies before the, the a majority of his arc. Yep. Because it is Jason not playing... J- Radu is played by Jason Lebrecht. It's Jason Lebrecht playing Radu as controlled by the actor for Dietrich. Yes. And he had to match the intensity of that character because you can tell that this is not the same Radu. Because the sa- the Radu we met, even though he was against Eon, still very much cared about him and couldn't bring himself to kill him. He he was he was as Tovarish, and it pained him. And he only did the things he did because he was manipulated by the Rosencrantz Order. Yeah. And he does get these kind of moments of ham, like when he's in the tank. 
<laughs> and then he and then he gets then he gets railgunned. Yeah, it's kind of fun. But I love when that moment when they're in the procession to go to the mausoleum, and he breaks control free of the control, and you can just hear the mm. desperation and love in his voice of, "Please just leave at this moment. I can't keep him off anymore." Right. And a lot of people, I think, over the years have thought Jason Lebrecht isn't the most talented actor until he started really being Dobby and My Hero and some stuff. But uh, I think this no, show- no, 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 that those people are wrong. I think this shows that he's had the talent all along. It's just that people, maybe some of the roles that he was put in, pushed his voice direction in the wrong way. Mm. But I think he does a really great job here. And I'm done and gonna pass it over. To, uh, let's go with Steph. Whoever said that Jason Lebrecht is not a good actor, they are wrong. I'm just saying. Because <laughs> he's a great actor. It's not even a joke. Um, I may as well talk about Jason first, actually. Um, because freaking Radu is very, very... Like, the villains of this show in general kind of fall into this category of, like, slimy, smarmy, like... Like, they exude evil, basically. And Radu is no exception, but you are also very much... Like, to the point when you said, like, Radu, Jason doesn't just play Radu as Radu. He also has to be Radu as controlled by Puppet Master Man. Um, So, like, Jason gets to have a lot more to play with, which is great. Um, But in in the earlier moments where Radu is this kind, gentle person cares about cares so much about his torva, his um torvash uh eon a lot um like it's very gentle and understanding and kind of helps ground eon in the early parts of mm-hmm. his introduction because eon's just like these motherfuckers they attacked me to hell with this and radu's just like no no, we're on a mission from the Empress. Y- y- calm down. <laughs> like, Radu is just helps ground Eon in those early parts. So I think Jason is phenomenal. Um, I'll admit, when I first was listening, watching the show again, I heard Radu. I, Jason is almost unrecognizable for parts of it. Like, it's not the usual tone of voice that a person would associate Jason Lebrecht's performances to be like. So, I'm just like, this is not Jason. <laughs> this is not Jason. And then I could hear slight twinges of it when I was really paying attention later on. I was like, oh, there it is. Um, but no, I really do like Jason. He was great. Suleiman is exactly the kind of Tatum that you would expect, and it's phenomenal. Because Suleiman is very, can be very charismatic, and he's such a leader um, in the Empire as well. And he's just, has this broad scope, is like, we must all do our part for our empress's sake. But then behind the scenes, just like, yo, Fuck her. yo, want to kill a bitch? Want to stab some drugs? Fuck a kid, fuck a bitch up. Um, but no, his downfall is one of the more, definitely one of the more somber moments in the course of the show, because you see, after Astra shoots a fucking hole in him, um. 
Seth takes him into her lap, basically, and they have a quiet little conversation. And it's just one of the more somber moments, and, like, Tatum nails that very, very well. It's, oh, it's so good. Uh, Jennifer Seaman. I had to look her up real quick while you were talking, and I'm like, what are other roles? I know I've heard that tone of voice. And there are two instances that I can think of. One being as uh, Kodako Fujioka, so Haruhi's mom in Oran High School Host Club. Mm-hmm. And as the narrator for Mushishi. Oh, that oh. was her. So the second I saw that, I was like, okay. Because <laughs> she doesn't do a ton of ton. She has done more like recent stuff in the past few years. Like she's done... She had a small role in Luck and Logic, for instance. Um, Panty and Stocking. Fucking, uh, <laughs> world break. Oh, no. Um, but no, like, Jennifer has this, oh, I had a note. She has a gentle and regal tone to her. Which is, like, a calming presence, and she knows how to, like, take charge and take control of things and be, like, have that inspirational tone of voice, if that makes sense. Um, especially when she is playing the role of the Empress, um, during the course of the arc, because Seth is like, nah, someone's gonna fucking kill me, and, um... Mirica Fortuna is just like, all right, (laughs) I'll step in for you, and you can try and hide and figure shit out. And and Seth's just like, okay. (laughs) But no, Jennifer has this gentle regal tone that's just very commanding, and I think it works very well. And then Hillary as Seth is the sweet, is the cutest little thing, (laughs) like ever. Um, she's very spunky. She's very spunky and peppy and has a good amount of energy to her however she's not afraid to put on the big girl pants and kick your fucking ass and i think hillary nails it so well uh, especially like bringing it up again especially when she goes full kruznik on radu and his ass <laughs> like she's like not nah, we we ain't dealing with this shit <laughs> here's my tuning forks let's fucking go bitch turn the dust let's go um he radu wasn't feeling good that day uh, <laughs> I just realized I had to make that joke. No, but um, these are all such fun performances, and like in terms of story arcs, no, one hundred percent. Like this story arc in particular, and the one just prior to that, where we're introduced to Eon, like really is what pushes the story forward. And I think this, that plus this arc, like is probably the best part of the show in all honesty, because it's so, it's so fucking good. (laughs) Like, it really is, story-wise, and the progression of characters. It's, oh, I love it. I'm done. Patrick? Okay, um, where do I begin? Um, I think I'm gonna start with Suleiman and Radu. Um, they are basically the, the closest thing to a villain of this arc. Um, other than somebody we'll be talking about here in a minute. The real villain mm-hmm. in the like almost literally in the Scooby Doo sense. With the mask <laughs> yeah. and Honestly, yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Fooled you. I would have gotten away for it too if it wasn't for those meddling AX agents. <laughs> Fuck them kids. Fuck. Fuck them kids. 
Anyway, um, like this is pretty much the archetypal Tatum role of the time. Um, very wise and immature until, you know, the more conniving side shows its face. Uh, so I really don't have too, too much to say about it. Um, and I do agree with you guys that Jason Lebrecht really doesn't get the credit he deserves. Yeah, oh yeah. For actually being, like, a legitimately good actor. Um, fun fact, in the middle of watching this, um, I hint at it in the episode that will probably be coming out the week after this. Mm -hmm. Um, I had never seen... Uh, Empire of Corpses until I watched the show that you know next the plan for next week's episode uh, was As of recording. This recording. As of this recording, yes. Um, and I actually finally watched it in the middle of watching Trinity Blood here, and like Empire of Corpses is so good. And it it, it was because I was also in the New Human Empire arc as I started it. So it was really mm. interesting watching the progression of uh, Jason Lebrecht's career. Because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously I'm also watching My Hero Academia and, mm -hmm. like, that sort of three-stage between Radu, which is one of his really early performances, um, Watson in The Empire of Corpses, and then what he's probably best known as right now, Dobby in yeah. My Hero Academia. Like, watching it, watching the progression of his career in real time was just kind of surreal. Um, but I also really love oh. the fact that Radu is kind of a conniving snake, but it's also not really him. And it, it's also basically... Jason Lebrecht trying to play another actor who is also sort of wearing his character like a skin puppet. Because he is. Yeah, he is. Like, it, it, it's It slides great. on nicely. Slides on nicely. Sorry. Oh, God. <laughs> I, just, I just got fucking puts the lotion on the skin or else it gets the hose again vibes. <laughs> You're not wrong. Oh! my god that is oh i want to watch silence of the lambs now again thank you i that. literally just got a chill down my spine before i sat down Ooh. i was like <laughs> now i want to watch silence of the lambs it's one of my favorite fucking movies by the way um i really don't have too too much to say about jennifer seaman as mirica like it was good she did a really good job sort of playing a motherly character like mm -hmm. that's really kind of the crux of my notes um I was really interested to learn that Hillary Hay was, you know, Augusta or, or Seth, depending on what you wanted to call her. Um, the performance sounded like a bunch of other actresses I was aware of simultaneously. And it was really surreal trying to pinpoint exactly who she was until I saw the credits. Oh, wow. Uh, and I honestly, I can't even put my finger on what actresses she sounded like in this performance. It it sort of switched back and forth between a bunch. And I think that's really cool. 
So, yeah, great performances in this little section of characters. Thumbs up. Awesome, thank you. Um, let's move on to our next set of characters. Oh, oh boy. boy. <laughs> oh, I, I like how you're like, oh, boy, and it's literally the Pope and his uncle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, boy, and it's actually oh, a boy. boy. <laughs> yeah. Pope Alessandro the 15th. He's kind of a bitch. <laughs> he cries a lot. Yeah. He doesn't understand why he's in power. He doesn't think he should be. Mm -hmm. But by the end of it, he just he kind of finally grows a pair. Yeah. And is a good person. Who is not a good person is his uncle who tries to level Rome with a sound nuke. Yeah. And then those pesky AX agents get in the way of that. Yep. I would have gotten away for it too if it wasn't for those meddling AX agents. Agents. Also, like a giant sound tentacle squid comes out. Yeah. <laughs> you know that fucking happened. This show can be weird sometimes. It's the big lift alligator moment. <laughs> uh, playing Pope Alessandro the. 15th, the 17th, I'm sorry, I can't read my things, is Greg Ayers, and playing uh, his uncle, whose name is Alfonso, Alfonso de Este, is John Swayze. Greg Ayers, you know, such characters such as Shiro, and Beckett and the Mongolian Chop Squad, Negi and Negima, and because it's me, and I will, I'm very sad that this is locked in a vault somewhere, and the day that it comes back to fucking streaming, I will force people to do an episode on it with me. He is Kosuke Asazuki in Spiral. Uh, John Swayze will know those characters such as The Undertaker and Black Butler, Mr. in Coyote Ragtime Show, and Bernhardt Rhodes and Kaze No Stigma. Can I say one thing? And you're going to be mad what? that I didn't do this. What? So, when Andrew and I were at Kineticon, um, there was a vendor, as people would probably know, Otaku Joe's, right? Did he have a copy of Spiral? He had a fucking copy of Spiral. It was either it. Spiral or Pretty Princess Yushi, one of those two. Because I spotted it, and I'm like, ah, oh, Megan would appreciate this. I bought How much was it? Oh, I fuck. You, I didn't does this guy have a that. fucking? Does this guy have a fucking site? No, he doesn't. Most of his stuff is eBay. No, uh, either eBay or some stuff through like Facebook. Um, but I bought Paradise Kiss from him instead. So, I I, I know you did. But I knew, I, I saw, it was either Spiral, I'm pretty sure it was Spiral, or Petite Princess Usually One of those two that I know you fucking have, and I know you will die on the hill that you would love to talk about them at some point. Um, and they're both not streaming. Right. So. so I was like, oh, damn, Megan would appreciate this. <laughs> it probably, uh, it probably cost a couple hundred dollars. Let's not even, re let's not even front, because it was like the box. Oh, wow. So. I'm looking through a store so you can go first. Cool. Um, let's see. So, I'll start with John. Uh, John is really only there for, like, the two or three episodes during <coughs> the incident. <coughs> Bless you. No, I was coughing. I'm trying not to die. Um, let's try again. I'll start with John. Uh, John's really only there for a couple of the episodes during the instance where, you know, sound waves destroy the Vatican. Um... Attempt to destroy the Vatican. Close enough. What's the fucking difference at this point? They leveled Barcelona. They leveled Barcelona, and we lost probably one of the best characters in the show because of it. 
Um, that's my opinion. Um, Punks. But <laughs> this show likes to take the show and this this dub. There's a running theme where it likes to take its villain characters and make them either the biggest their villain characters or the roadblock characters like Francisco, um, and either make them the most smarmy yet kind of charismatic and seductive, or, in the case of John and Alfonso, the biggest fucking asshole you could ever imagine. Because, like, this show is does not, does not play subtleties as to Alfonso being a villain. It does not. Like, you could like right from the bat and including john's performance you know that this dude is bad news mm-hmm. so oh 100 like like the show does nothing to hide it and the dub does nothing to hide it too to go with it and i i love it <laughs> like john is just such a dick he's a slimy sounding like conniving bastard and i love it it's it's so much fun um greg airs as alessandro this precious precious Piss baby <laughs> of a bean. <laughs> um, You're not like, wrong. I'm not wrong. He's a precious bean, but he's also he's a, a fucking piss, piss baby. baby. <laughs> just the way you just drop piss baby. It's true. <laughs> you can't tell me I'm wrong. You will 100% agree on it. Um, like, so when I'm, I think I remember watching, when I watched this back in the day, I thought it was very weird and jarring that Greg was this character for some fucking reason. Looking at it now, I don't mind it at all. Like, it works very well. There are minor moments where it can be screechy. Just, just, just very minor, just a touch. Um... And, and it's those tiny, tiny moments where it's like, uh-oh, I hope he's not pushing his vocal range, his vocals too much. Um, but other than that, like, I really liked him. He's just like, all he, he, a lot of his acting was voiced to, for like a, to kind of describe like a physicality. Like, like he's acting inward. Like he's kind of like crouched in on himself and like he's like a terrified, scared little bean. Most of the time, and it really, I think, comes out in the performance a lot. But I do appreciate that Alessandro gets his own little moment in the last arc, too. Where fucking, he's on his own. He's separated from Esther after Vanessa and her group are, like, trying to, like, like make him a um, hostage in this whole situation. And he runs into other Methuselahs who are living in the ghetto. So he's learning a lot more about them. And he's realizing, oh, these people aren't as bad as what I know of or what my brother Francisco, because again, Francisco's a fucking asshole and essentially a racist. <laughs> um, like, they're, they're not as bad as what I've been told this whole time. And he is the one who actually saves Vanessa from Pietro. When Pietro and Paula go, like, find him and rescue him, and Pietro fights Vanessa. So, Alessandro's the one who saves Vanessa, because he's starting to, like, come to terms and learn, like, hey, these people, I want to help them. There's a lot I don't know. And my favorite little part part is, um, right at the tail end of that, where he's talking to Katerina, and he just says, 
when we get back, when when we get home, I want to talk to you about this. And she's just like surprised, but she's like, okay. <laughs> no, I think Greg's just phenomenal. I love it so much. But both of them are. Oh, you found it. <laughs> Sorry. It's not from him. It's not from him, but it's cheap and it's actually a good price. <laughs> good to know. But uh, no, for both of these performances, John is a fucking dick and I love it. And uh, and Greg is Alessandro. Um, minor, minor twinge screechy, but just, 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 just minor. But otherwise than that, I loved it. He's a f- he's this fucking <laughs> sweet bean piss baby and I love it. <laughs> now I have to look at this. I'm done. Patrick, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Let me just pull everybody back up because I can't remember names worth shit. Bad. Fuck. You sure this is legit? Yeah, it's legit. I've looked through. I'm looking through the pictures. Oh my god. That's how the set looks. It looks exactly like mine. Uh, John Swayze's a smarmy bastard. Um, you can tell the smarminess as soon as his character is introduced. Uh, like, it's just like, oh, hey, water under the bridge that I lost the papal, <laughs> the papal election to this little shit. Pretty much. And you know what? This is probably the point where I would make the fuck them kids joke. Yeah. Because <laughs> that is basically Alfonso Deste's arc in a nutshell. Um, it is just dripping with with slime and sleaze, and it's great. I, I love it. And honestly, I had confused Greg Ayers as Alessandro with another actor we'll be talking about in another performance. Um, back when we were first talking about this episode and I was joking around. Yeah. Oh, I remember uh, this conversation now. I really like Greg Ayers as Alessandro. Um... It was a little unusual coming back to it after so many years, but, like, I think he did a really great job playing Pope Alessandro as a kid. Uh, which, you know, there were a... Funimation had a fair stable of actors that could play, like, young teens at this point. Um, but I, like, I can't think of any of them being able to play Alessandro as well as Greg did. Um, again, the Albion arc, as as Steph was saying, is probably the highlight of his performance, where he basically gets kidnapped. Uh, he gets away and then has to look at sort of the subjugation of the, uh, the Methuselah population uh, in the country. So, like, this was great all around, so... Major thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll start with John. He does a good job playing the sleazy asshole uncle who gets duped by the Scooby-Doo gang. <laughs> Except for the Scooby-Doo gang is literally a bunch of adults in, adults in a church. Uh, I like that he he gets to have fun um, doing this evil character. And uh, I also think that Greg does a fantastic job as the Pope. I think he plays that sniveling coward role really well. But I also like the quiet strength that Alejandro gets. Alessandro gets by the end of the series. And I love the scene with that little girl where he's like, I'm not important because he gets he gets yelled at all the time. Yes. Where she asks with the rabbit. The, yeah. 
to bless the rabbit, and then he does because she gives him confidence. And I just like that there's a running theme of the show of little children wanting to body the church. And you know, uh, we'll on, we'll get to that later. Honestly, um, I think it's a little unfair to call Alessandro a sniveling coward. He's more because of a naive not. child. Yeah. Forced into power. Forced into right. power. Yeah, because his uncle comes back to blow up Rome because he's mad at him. For right. no good reason. Like, how how fucking old do they say Alessandro is? He's even? like 14. Yeah, exactly. Like, you put a teenager like a teenager in power who doesn't know he's what He's like 14 or 15, so he was like 10 when he became Pope, because it was five years ago. Right. Yeah, because he, yeah, he's around the same age as Esther, right? Yeah, they're like the same age. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, like you put a child in power. What the fuck is this kid supposed to do? Cry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then his brother yells at him all the fucking time. Again, fucking Francisco. Fuck you, Francisco. Fuck you. Um, fuck you, Alfonso. If he dies, it's the will of it's... God. Fuck off. I'm sorry. That just, I just upsets like, me. I just like how he learns that racism is wrong and immediately tells mm-hmm. Pietro to stop and he hugs him and Pietro's like, what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. He's like, Pietro's like, I he's like, like my, just I, kill I, the I vampire, and Pietro's like, but he's attached to me. Yeah, he's like, you I know, will listen not- to my pope. He is my, he is the one in charge, and I'm like, oh cool. <laughs> you know who wants to be in charge though? The Order of Rosencrantz. Oh lordy. To which the way I said that, the one of the exact thing that popped up into my head as soon as I said Rosencrantz. No. <laughs> Dr. Doofenshmirtz Incorporated. <laughs> Fuck. An AX agent? Abel the Christic AX agent? <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. I had something. I had something. It's coming back. Oh, oh no, oh no. <laughs> Doofenshmirtz Order of Royals and Croys. Because he's got the the thickest accent of all of them. <laughs> Able the AX agent. Oh. oh, oh no! I fucking I fucking like <laughs> tangent about hockey for a second. <laughs> so the Lightning have gotten Corey Perry on their team after he's been against us the last two times in the finals, and I swear to God, the amounts of Perry, uh, a platypus. Corey Perry, the hockey platypus. Oh jokes never make me stop laughing. Nice. <laughs> Dr. Doofenshmirtz jokes are always funny. Um, the owner of Rosen Coins, as, as known as the Contramundi, ah, they yes. are the they are basically what we do in the shadows, evil edition. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> they aren't. They aren't having. They aren't drinking the people's bloods who are on drugs and now we're on drugs and I have a cone on my head. Fun. <laughs> uh, they are run by uh, the puppet master, Dietrich von Lundgren, who you meet uh, when we meet Esther, where he pulls her strings to essentially have a giant satellite nuke a city. Yeah. Yeah. As you do. There. As, As you, you do. do. There's Isaac Ferdinand von Kampfer, who is... By the way, Dietrich is the only human member of the uh, order. He is human. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Isaac is. is a a Methuselah. 
He is kind of their science guy. He builds the sound bombs, plays the pipes, nukes Barcelona to the ground, kills Noel, and then it gets destroyed in the best fight in the series. <laughs> Who would win? An airship with a giant set of drones making the shields, a Castlevania ripoff, and a guy with a laser lance. A drill lance. <laughs> and what, what was that? An Aston Martin flying in the sky? A flying Aston Martin in an airship run by a hologram. <laughs> I love when the Aston Martin started flying. Patrick's like, and now we have the flying Aston Martin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which the only earlier. thing that I the only thing that I thought of was the clerk's flying cars bit. <laughs> Which you'd suck a man's dick for a flying car. I thought I knew you, man. Um, Look. And then their leader. All oh, sorry, of this bullshit in the final episode yeah. episode and a half and then all of a sudden an aston martin just sprouts wings and flies it's like sure fucking sure <laughs> why not we're, we're, if, we come this if far i can see it then i can do it if i just believe it there's nothing to all oh, the timing of this. Though. The Aston Martin can fly. Bro, the timing of this. The timing I'm of just... this bit. Could you say I pissed that one out? Yeah. The, t- <laughs> the timing of this bit. Oh, solid no. gold. In shower. Fuck you, R. Kelly. Rot in prison. <laughs> Speaking of things that should rot in prison, K. Night Road. Um, <laughs> K. Night Road is Abel's uh brother, twin brother. Uh, they are basically twins, uh, who slowly went more crazy with, uh, due to the cruisings inside of him. They eventually nuke, drop him onto the earth. He doesn't work. He comes back and decides to fuse Abel. But because Abel has, there's a thing where, uh, Esther sees Abel's cruising form and calls him a monster. When she comes in again, he hesitates and that gives him all of the moment to, you know, make Abel go explode. He also makes Dietrich go explode and she doesn't through the heart. And then we have what can only be described as every emo teen's wet dream. Watching two of two fallen angels duke it out in the sky, in space, over a church. The only thing that was missing was bring me to life playing under it. See, see, I asked this question earlier and I didn't get an answer. Because I had the same thought when I first, like, when I watched the whole show, like, five years ago. Who fucking ripped who off? Trinity Blood or fucking Dean Angel? Oh, that's an yes. easy question. They both ripped off Devil Man. <laughs> yes! Somewhere oh, Gona Guy is just sitting there like, yes! Yes! It's that sickos, it's that sickos panel, but it's just Gona Guy. <laughs> Shit. Oh god, I love it. Uh, playing Kate Wright Road is our director, Mike McFarlane. Playing Isaac Ferdinand von Kempfer is Christopher Ayers. And playing Dietrich von Lohengrime is Justin Cook. Mike McFarlane, you know his characters such as Bruce J. Speed in the Galaxy Railways, Skymaster in Heaven's Lost Property Forte, and Goemon Ishikawa in the Funimation dub of Lupin the Third, Dragon of Doom. Uh, Chris Ayers, you'll know his characters such as uh, Corset in Panty and Stocking with Garber Belt. 
uh, Shingen Takeda in Sengoku Basara, and Choji Suigetsu in Speedgrapher. Suitengu. It's Suitengu. Suitengu. Speedgrapher's a fucking trip, by the way. I haven't watched it in years, but I have it. Uh, Justin Kokiano's characters such as Donor Dantes in Aquarion Aval, uh, Aiko Kawaguchi in Desert Punk, and Shinya Ito in Star Blazer Space Battleship. Uh, Yamato 2199. Um, Patrick, you go first. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Where, where do I, I begin? begin? Where do we fucking start with these assholes? Um, God, I'm I'm gonna start with Isaac Fernan. Um, just because, holy shit, we do not talk about Chris Ayers enough on the show. No, we don't, unfortunately. He's amazing. Um, which... If he happens to be listening to this episode, I hope your recovery is going well. Yeah. Um, he is just this absolute, oh, how do I describe Isaac Ferdinand? Oh. An organ playing Nazi? Okay, sure. (laughs) (laughs) That's accurate, so. I mean, there's, he literally is an organ playing Nazi. Yeah, like, there's no way, other way to describe it, really. (laughs) He just plays him with such absolute evil charisma like you're not for what he's doing but it's like you know what I'm gonna hear this guy out and then he does creepy science shit like he he can put back together Kane Knight Road when people blow his limbs off um and then Probably one of the most technically impressive um, actors in the show um, is probably Justin Cook. Mm, um, between yeah. him and Jason Lebrecht. Um, because Diedrich is basically the character that play that wears Radu like a skin puppet. Um mm-hmm. And they both basically have to give the same consistent performance. Um, basically, as Radu's body. Uh, and it, uh, it's just technically spectacular. I love shit like that. Like, that is the good shit in terms of dubs. Uh, and then Mike McFarland as sort of the... Like, did anybody else kind of get vibes that Kane Night Road is basically just a child who doesn't necessarily understand humanity? Yes. Yeah. Like more so than uh, than Abel when he was he was a kid. Um, like, he just wants to break everything for the sake of breaking it. Um. Which is probably one of the most evil things you can do, except for, hmm, let's say, hoarding all the Blahaj dolls. <laughs> Even though there really isn't a shortage, except in the UK. <laughs> Angrily glaring at people. Are you glaring at me? No, I'm not glaring at you. I'm glaring at the people who are depriving me of the Blahaj doll that I can give to you. Oh, so Because I'm trying. 
but they won't ship them because they're in such high demand. Damn it, Ikea. That's why we're going to go raid an Ikea. That's why we're going to raid an Ikea. <laughs> uh, we're going to shark at Ikea, You folks. shirked Stop. all scalpers. You're the evil of this world. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, Mike McFarland is just deliciously hammy as Kane Knight Road. Um, and it is, like, that last fight scene in episode 24 is the most chuny shit I have seen in a long-ass time. But it's so cool! It's, okay, the fact that you said chuny shit, I'm like, oh no. It's all coming together. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. It's, like, oh, it's all fuck. coming together. Oh no. <laughs> like, this is... But it's so good. No, it is absolutely great, but at the same time, it is basically... Uh, the How Dragon Ball Z Lincoln Park AMB. How much you want to bet? How much you want to fucking bet that someone made an actual AMV? Oh, look, I'm not putting money on it because I know it's going to be right. Oh, okay, while you're talking to I'm, the internet. I, oh, I'm already going. Let's. <laughs> All right. Um. I mean, honestly, does it have to be. Does it? Does it have to be to Lincoln Park? Honestly, these three are just absolutely great. Um, and I may have lied earlier that um, that the Inquisition was my favorite group of this show because the Order of Rosencroix either gives them a run for their money or just flat out wins it. I'm not sure which. Um, I may need some more rewatches down the line in order to determine that. Yeah. Good stuff. Thumbs up. I hate how you keep saying the Order of Rosencroix and I can't unhear Doofenshmirtz. <laughs> Doofenshmirtz, Order of Rosencroix. Steph, please go before I die. <laughs> I'm looking up AMVs. Fuck you. <laughs> no, fuck you. It's your turn. All right. <laughs> I was trying to see. There's not a lot of fucking Trinity Blood AMVs, ironically enough, but I don't think they probably got they probably got deleted in the first Crate YouTube purge. They're all blah. It's oh, like there's you, more than you, I thought. Hold on. <laughs> it's like you 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 pick up the ground and smell, and you're like, there was something here. There's one for uh, with Lacuna Coil. <laughs> I saw one to Three Days Grace, so that's about as close as we're getting. Yeah, I think that's as close we're gonna get. Um... There's the first one that I came up with from my search 14 years ago. Trinity Blood, Angel of Darkness. There anyway. we go. Yep. <laughs> and then the fucking description says, woo, go Abel. <laughs> anyway. Stephanie. I'm, 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 I'm coming back. <laughs> oh, shit. I'll look at this later. Um, All right. So, Dufer Schmerz Order of Rosencrantz. Uh. <laughs> And um, Guildenstern, they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm actually going to start with Mike as Kane. Weirdly enough, Kane isn't really there until the end of the fucking show. <laughs> Basically. Um, so compared to, like, Isaac and Dietrich, he doesn't have a ton to fucking do, aside from just go fucking crazy-ass like, nuts fight scene at the end. Um, but, like, 
Mike, I think, was a delight. It was just... <laughs> this is the fucking note I wrote. Mike just has this fuckboy attitude, and it's great. You're not wrong. That's, that's the exact note I wrote down about Mike, and that was the only note I wrote down for Mike. Um, Because this... Kane is a fucking dick. He, uh, he, he, like, like I said, like, maybe ten minutes ago, the villains of this either play, performance-wise, on the side of smarmy, sultry, like, oozing with charisma, or they're complete dicks. And we're, we're going, this trio goes on the side of, like, smarmy, sultry, charis charismatic assholes, <laughs> basically. Um... And Mike is among Mike is among them, and it's very very entertaining. But I really want to talk about both Chris and Justin because these two are phenomenal. First of all, uh, at first with Dietrich, I couldn't. I thought I did not recognize Justin, so this was another one like Jason Lebrecht that I was like, wait, this is Justin. Um, it doesn't help that a lot of these performances are for the most part played much quieter. Um, and especially for their introductions, Dietrich is one of those. Um, but <laughs> I really, really loved Justin as Dietrich because it's quiet and just very subtle, um, but very, like, impactful in what he's doing and what he means to do. And he's very, very, he's a very smart man. Dietrich's a very smart man. That he tr he tries all these fucking schemes. He's the one that you kind of deal with the most throughout the course of the show as a villain. Um, you have Isaac very very on early on, and then he pops up again towards the end. And then Kane really is just towards the end. Um, but in terms of the order of Rosenkreutz, um, Dietrich is the one who puts the face to the name throughout the whole course of the show, um, and having to help carry the um, antagonistic side, essentially, for the majority of the show. Justin does very, very well with this. Um, it's, it's very cunning. It's very smarmy. It's very subtle. Um, and, and it's just great. And again, like we were saying before, props to him on the technical side as well, because he has to also voice Radu when we learn that, yes, Dietrich's actually controlling Radu, and that facade is just done. Um, so kudos there. <sighs> I love Chris Ayers when we get to talk about him. I think I mentioned this earlier that the last time, at least I think uh, we've talked about him, or Megan and I at least have, might have been Amnesia of all things. <laughs> Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Amnesia this is not, and with good reason. <laughs> um, but, again, Isaac has like this dark, sultry tone to him. It's, it's just like, it's like oozing it, it sometimes even oozes more charisma than Dietrich because Isaac is a bit more to an extent a little bit more of a showman than Dietrich is if that makes sense with some of the things gotcha. that he does um and he he's like because he's the one who does the whole shit with the with the organ he's the whole thing on he does the whole thing on the airship at the end of the fucking show and it's <laughs> if it was <laughs> my brain <laughs> Oh no, <laughs> my brain has had a thought. Uh oh. It's not as hammy, but the showmanship kind of reminds me a little bit, weirdly enough, of the major from Helsing Ultimate. 
Okay. Was that also Chris? No. That is not. Um, I don't remember who plays him. I'd, I'd, I'd have to look it up. But no, like, because if you've seen Helsing Ultimate, the Major hams shit up, but he's also a fucking showman. And he's very, yeah. like, broad and present. And Isaac is a similar fashion. It's not as very, like, hammy and open as the Major is, but it's, like, very broad and it's just like, let me show you my airship. Like, you know what I mean? So it, it gives a little bit more of a difference between him and Dietrich, especially when the the tone and the tone and the performance can borderline similar. It's that little, little touch that gives it a bit more personality. Um, and I think makes Chris stand out a lot more because of it. But, God, I love... <laughs> fucking... <laughs> fucking Isaac gets what his just desserts. <laughs> like these bitches are like, haha, you can't get through my barrier. You will not take me down. And then they're like, okay, so the ship has a timeout for a hot second before it attacks. That's when we can destroy the barrier and then destroy it. And it's like, no, how dare you? <laughs> and then he's just dead. But um, no, I like all three of these performances, but I think Justin, in terms of the Order of Rosenkreutz, carries it throughout the course of the show. And Isaac is just as smarmy and charismatic in, in the show as well. It's great. And Mike is fun. Mike is a fun antagonist in the end. It's wonderful. Yeah. Okay, so y'all are gonna laugh at me for something. <laughs> oh, no! So, I'll, I'll do Kane last, because that's why you're gonna laugh at me. Oh, boy. So, uh, I, for the longest time, hated Justin Cook's performance- hated Justin Cook's character, Dietrich von Lohengrim. Oh, I fucking hate this character. He's a piece of shit, and I wish for nothing but bad things to happen to him for making Esther cry so much. Oh, I mean, 100%. But Justin's so fucking good! Yes! <laughs> I wish they let Justin play more shitheads like Dietrich. Mm. Like, I know we have Shinya here from Star Blazers, who's also a slimy piece of shit. Yeah. And I feel like I brought up Dietrich on that episode because that's the last piece of shit character I remember him playing. You probably Because did. nowadays we have Justin Cook playing ultimate good bro Kirishima and the ultimate good guy Haru Hataru. Yeah. But Dietrich is such a, like, he gets under your skin and I realize that it's a terrible choice of words. <laughs> Like, oh, he's so awful, and Justin's so good at making him so awful, and, like, he's such a showman is right, like, how he ties Esther up to watch her to see things, right? and, how he, and how he's like, oh, Esther, you're such a dumbass. <laughs> oh, no, I was talking about Isaac being the showman, not Dietrich. Oh, no, Dietrich. Dietrich is one, too. He can Dietrich be. Dietrich is one, too. He can be, but, like- He's not at the same level as Isaac, but yes. he's there. And I think Justin plays that, like, snake-like character so well. Mm -hmm. Because you genuinely think Dietrich is a good guy until you see him working with Kent Williams' character in the in Esther's arc. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And, oh, man, Chris Ayers, please get well soon. Yes. I miss your acting, especially as characters like this. Because, like, a lot of people know Chris is Frieza. And for good reason, Frieza, his performance as Frieza is iconic. I think this is so much different from his Frieza because it's not as alien and not as, like, shonen-y. This is genuine piece of shit material. Like, 
this guy is willing to do anything and everything to kill. And he has no qualms in doing it. And I love that he's just like, oh, Abel, if only you were faster. And just like, he's so smarmy and he's so slimy. And that's why it's so satisfying when he gets blown the fuck up by Kate's laser. <laughs> yeah. That's oh, so satisfying. Oh, but God, I love his I love his performance off of Abel's actor in the Barcelona part, mm-hmm. right before he destroys Barcelona with the silent the silent bomb. Yes, with the silent noise machine. Mm-hmm. Just because it is genuinely a a playwright battling with his character, even though Dietrich is more of the playwright kind of. No, wait, no, I'm confusing Dietrich with Akos from Xenoblade Chronicles 2, and they have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> um, but, no, they're both great. So, here's where you laugh at me. Oh, here we go, okay. I used to be terrified of Kane, Kane Night Road. Really? I was afraid of this character. Huh. It, Mike's performance creeped me the fuck out, because the show would come on late at night and I'm a baby. I mean, I'm remember, th- I like, I don't like horror. I, I mean, I'm not gonna laugh at you because, like, you know my deal with Paranoid Agent, right? That you were afraid of it. I was afraid of fucking Little Slugger when I was first watching that show. So I completely yeah, but- understand. <laughs> so here's the part where you laugh. Okay. Upon reaching the age of thirty, when Kane talked and did his evil things, my only reaction is, "Oh no, he's hot." <laughs> Oh no, he's hot! <laughs> Mike does a really good job of making Kane like your first discount dollar. He makes a good hot topic boyfriend. <laughs> like, like you know the meme of he murdered people. I can fix him. <laughs> yes. Except for you can't because he's a nuclear test tube baby made from Elon Musk's thought jizz. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can't even like eject him in the fucking space orbit and let that destroy him. Fuck that. No, noise. he's too strong. He literally nonchalantly picks up his arm and goes, "Well, Dietrich, but oh well, well Isaac better fix this." <laughs> and just Mike's delivery of him in the bathtub going, "Well, I'm gonna go fuse with Abel now." And it's just no so nonchalant about his evil. And it's, but it's like Patrick said, he's like a child who doesn't understand that he's actually doing bad things. Mm-hmm. Because in the flashback where, unfortunately, they make Mike push his voice a little too much, uh, he's like, but I love humanity. Don't you love humanity, Abel? Oh my god. And Abel's like, uh. And Abel's just kind of standing there in his little, like, space test tube baby jail. <laughs> and Seth is like, uh, everybody around him is just like, uh, 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 and then he cuts off their Abel's girlfriend's head. And oh, yeah, God. but Mike is so good in this, even for the short amount of time. And I'm still fucking, it, it still gives me the heebie-jeebies, but now it gives me the heebie-jeebies in a way of like, in a very different <laughs> I can, way. I could fix that. <laughs> <laughs> God, now, now I see that chamber Abel was in in the flashback, and just like with the word "space jail" on top of it, but the S is written backwards. That's how you know it's edgy. <laughs> no, that's not how. That's how you know a kid did it. Yes. 
But yes, also and, like, edgy. when I say when I say hot topic boyfriend, I don't mean like modern day hot topic. I mean like where the outside of the hot topic looked like the portal to hell. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where you could buy trip jeans with chains. Oh yeah. Basically when Your I was hot in fucking topics high school. and my hot topics are not the same. <laughs> Basically when we were fucking high school, essentially. I can tell that. Like Okay, I mean Hot Topic where it looked like Misa Amane had sex in the dressing room. Okay, yeah. Steph, you're going to have to be a little more specific because your Hot Topic during high school and my Hot Topic during high school might as well have been two different animals because I'm old. It would have been 2005, okay, between did... 2005 and 2009 for me. Okay, yeah, yeah then that would have been... Six and no 10. That would have been my high school, yeah. Yep, Okay. <laughs> accurate. Enough about high school. Let's talk about those pesky AX agents. Can I just, quick side note, to answer the yes. question about who voices the major in Helsing Ultimate, Gildart Jackson. I, I looked it up and then I forgot to say something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just had it. I was like, let me just throw that in for a quick second. But anyway. All right. <laughs> those so pesky AX, AX kids. God, it would be such a long section, but I'm so tempted to just combine them all because we're already at like two hours. That's up to you, dude. Yeah, I mean, we could. <laughs> Fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it. Let's go. We're already here. Let's talk about every AX agent who is a one-off or just comes back to blow shit up when the AX has to team up. Woohoo! Or dies. Um, they are Hugh DeWatcheru, a.k.a. the Swordsman. He's literally just Castlevania from Alucard from Castlevania. <laughs> oh my god, he is. Yeah, yeah. Accurate. Uh, Leon de Garcia de Artis. He's a prisoner that they let out. And he loves his daughter. He also watches Abel get bodied by seven-year-olds. <laughs> we find out he has a daughter. I'm like, what, the last fucking episode? Yes. He's also awesome. Noelle Barr. Yeah. She is the empathet. She's an empathet that works with the AX and dies in Barcelona due to the sound machine. However, uh, the silent noise machine. However, uh, she clutches on to the, the notes about the Rome version, which helped the AX uh, save Rome from destruction. I love Noelle. Tres Tress Equus. He's the Terminator. <laughs> You're yeah, not wrong. Yeah, not wrong. Kate Scott is the, uh, she commands the Iron Maiden air battleship. She is basically a hologram because her body has actually been uh, weakened so much that she cannot walk around physically, but her mind is still surviving. I had to look that up. William Walter Wadsworth. He is the scientist guy and also pisses off Kate to no end. <laughs> yes. Mad scientist. And his and their leader is Cardinal Katarina Sforza, who Abel saved as a small child and pledged her loyalty to. Uh, and she is basically the the force of good in the AX, acting as the uh, foil to her brother. Yeah. Okay, here we go because this is a very large section, but I pretty much feel like we don't have a lot to say about each person, but they are all important in their own way. Playing Hugh is John Bergmeier. Playing Leon is Phil Parsons. Playing Noelle is Christine Auten. Playing Tress is Chris Sabat. Playing Kate Scott is Gwendolyn Lau. Playing William Walter Wadsworth is Justin Douglas. And playing Katarina Swartza is Lydia McKay. John Bergmeier, you know, his characters such as Joey Held in Blue Gender, Hajime Ishibata in Hellgirl, and Go in Save Me Lollipop. Phil Parsons, you'll know his characters such as Kenny Ackerman in Attack on Titan. Uh, Daisuke Goto in Fa Phantom, Requiem for the Phantom, and Reiji Yomu in Tokyo Ghoul, Christine Otten, you'll know as characters such as Azale in Orphan, Riziel in Carnage Crusade, and Zumi Curtis in the Fullmetal Alchemist franchise. Christopher Savage, you'll know as characters such as Kane Warlock in Blood and uh, Black Broad Brothers, General Cross Marin and Grey Man in Roy Revenant and Salty Ray. Gwendolyn Lau, you'll know as characters such as Madoka Narumi 
in Spiral, Old Minu in Drifters, and Cheska in Full Metal Alchemist. Jason Douglas shall know his characters such as Dune in Castron Sin, El Piazzo in Excel Saga, and Yayoi Mito in Moon Phase. Lydia McKay knows characters such as Serafina Arks in Black Cat, Patty Milfer in the Shin Chan dub, and. <laughs> I was not leaving that out oh, when I saw Lordy. it. <laughs> Thank you. And, Ur- and Aurea Shifon and Tenchi Muyo were on Gemini. All right. Woo! I'll do this first. Uh, John Bergmeier is really cool as Hugh Watcher, but Hugh doesn't talk a lot. Yeah, yeah. Hugh literally shows up, beats the shit out of people, and he gets a really cool episode dedicated to him with Jamie Markey, where he he's basically the, the rogue lone one. Wait, that's but- Jamie? As, yeah, that was Jamie as Agnes. As Agnes? Oh my god, how did I not fucking notice that? I didn't note it until I saw the credits and was like, bullshit. Hot um, damn, alright. Uh, but he's a lot of fun, and basically, yeah, Hugh is basically the world's biggest Castlevania shout-out. <laughs> he literally looks like Alucard. Yep. Uh, I love Phil Parson as Leon. Leon is a loud, brash uh, ex-prisoner guy, and I think that he has some of the f- most fun dialogue in the show. Yep. He has a really the 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 really really heavy handed Neverland episode <laughs> that is plot relevant comes back yeah and I really love his talks with Peter who I think is Kira Vincent Davis uh, yeah he, it's Kira Vincent Davis and Caitlin Glass yeah 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 uh you also get to watch uh Abel get attacked by uh fairy eight year olds and it's fucking fantastic because <laughs> why not. Uh, but Phil is a lot of fun as his character. He's the very much the loud, brash one. And I love every quip he gets about how it's worse than being... It's Things are worse than prison. Yeah! They're in lockdown. Like, not even prison in was this, this is worse than down. fucking prison! Prison! Prison life ain't so bad. You can make sangria <laughs> in the turlet, but it's shank or be shank. <laughs> Leon DeGarcia in the Green Mile. Oh my god. Uh, Christine Auden as Noel was great. Uh, Christine Auden plays a lot of younger kids I've seen. Um, she is also. <laughs> I have to fucking say this. Okay. She's also Keishiro in Ghost Stories. Oh ah. my goodness. <laughs> Just, I've. Oh god, I'm sorry. I. I have a really weird love-hate relationship with the ghost story stub. But I think she does a really good job as older Noelle, and I like the part where she has to act drunk and complain to Abel. <laughs> yep. About how, this sucked! We're on vacation! It's Barcelona! It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <coughs> <laughs> Abel, do and you then, love me or not? Breathe, Megan, breathe! I, I love the fact that they all- they- they pin all the spending in Barcelona, not on her, but on Abel. <laughs> yes! Uh, Chris Savitt is the Terminator. Chris has a very, very weird robotic voice. He does not give Trace any emotion. He plays Trace as a robot, and it works out pretty well. Uh, even in Trace's little episode where he learns that even though he does lie and break programming once, and it's really cute, uh, Gwendolyn Lau is a lot of fun as Kate. Uh, I don't think we get a lot of Gwendolyn Lau performances uh, in things. Yeah, we don't get to talk uh, about Gwendolyn Lau a lot. I don't think we've actually... I don't know if we've actually... Oh, yeah, we, we talked about her as Olminu. Uh, I think she's great. I love her her banter with Jason Douglas as as William because they're both from Albion. And she's like, oh, no, you don't, you piece of shit. And I feel like if she had a body, they'd be dating. <laughs> um, Probably. 
they're they're a ton of fun together. Uh, Jason Douglas is hamming it up as as William. He's that scientist guy, but he's also very much a giant dork. <laughs> uh, when he makes the Ashton Martin fly is like the stuff of dreams. Uh, and I, I genuinely love his introduction where he makes the sound bomb go off and Kate shows up and goes, what the fuck are you doing, asshole? <laughs> uh, but I think he also does nail, a lot of these guys also do nail the emotional performance of their performances. They're not all perfect, but they are a ton of fun. And a lot of the times when the AX is all together is where some of the unintentional comedy comes in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Lydia McKay's Katarina is fantastic. She does a good job giving Katarina a sense of dignity and poise under pressure and some emotionality, like when Abel dies. Mm-hmm. In air quotes. Um, he gets better. Um, I got better. I love the part where she goes to get the nanomachines from Lilith. Yes. And she's like, I'm so sorry. And I just genuinely love the air and attitude that Kate, that Lydia does as Katarina. Because Lydia's performance commands that you pay attention to Katarina as she speaks. Mm-hmm. But there's also a good sense of pathos and empathy in there. And how you genuinely believe in her convictions. Uh, I think I've said everything I have to say, so I'm going to hand it over to Patrick. Alright. Um... And apologies to our editor for all the headshots you got to show in. <laughs> have fun. Uh, John Bergmeier was good, but at the same time, like Megan said, he doesn't really get to say a lot. Uh, he is basically just an a la carte analog. Um, down to the really badass swordsmanship. Um, Phil Parsons is a delight, uh, particularly with the sort of, hmm, what are we basing this off of arc with the fairies? Hint, hint, it's Peter Pan. Um, do-do-do, I... And, like, the joke I did while while Megan was talking, like, I, I love his sort of, his prison banter, the, uh, oh, this is worse than prison. Like, it, it's it's great. Real good. Um, Christine Otten as Noelle, um, she is uncomfortably horny for Abel. Um, <laughs> let's be real. Abel said, Abel never said he took a vow of celibacy. He took a vow of poverty. Yeah. There we go. So. But Abel's also fucking, well, no, I can't say he's dense in the head. He probably just is doing it on purpose to avoid shit. Like, yeah, he's an immortal vampire eating vampire. Like, it would have been. It's literally like, he's at least 900 years old. Yeah. Right. It feels like he was trying to gently reject her advances just because, you know, she is going to get old way before him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is really funny that in basically all of all of Abel and Noel's sort of banter, particularly in Barcelona, she wants to fucking jump his bones. Yeah. If not... <laughs> If not for that pesky vow of celibacy that that priest had to take, he never said he took one. He said he took a. He took it was one poverty. Of poverty. Well, the. I Typically. mean, that was Abel. We don't know about Noel. That's fair. True, but I think she wouldn't have. <laughs> ah, fair. It's Noel. <laughs> um, Chris Sabat as Trey's. Oh my God! Like, 
for a character that's supposed to be monotone, like, he gives so, like, it's great. Um, some of the time, the, the sort of monotonous performance is sort of played comedically. Because uh, mm. he's a robot and he doesn't understand shit. Um, but I like uh, the... I don't remember if it was the second to last or the last episode where he's injecting the nanomachines into Abel. Mm-hmm. Um, where he, it's the last episode. Okay, last episode. Um, but basically he's giving the incantation. Mm-hmm. And like, that combined with sort of the robotic performance, like, it was really cool. Uh, I don't remember much of Gwendolyn Lau's Kate Scott. Um, I know she shows up a lot, but she basically doesn't get much to do until the final episode where the air, with the airship and the blow in the hole in the other airship. Which is great. Like, if you watch Trinity Blood for one reason, like, the fight scenes in episode 24 make it absolutely worth it. <laughs> Mm, good shit, good shit. Um, Jason Douglas is a surprising comedic powerhouse here. Because um, I'm used to him as... Um, oh, shit, who... Like, I'm used to him in stuff like After the Rain and... Um, oh, That's God. So... Oh, God, and Nevin. Is he so... Oh, thanks for the trauma. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, lordy. Uh, but I like I'm used to him as more dramatic characters. Oh yeah, and also Dororo. Jeez, Dororo and Vinland Saga. Woo. I need to watch Vinland Saga. Um, yes, you do. Like I'm I'm used to him playing more dramatic characters, so him actually getting like comedic chops, like it is refreshing. And I really wish he did mo- he was able to do more with, you know, comedy. Because he, he's actually a lot... He's a lot better at it than people give him credit for. Um, and then, holy shit, Lydia McKay as Katarina. Um, she is basically the Pope's moral center, I guess? Mm. Like, honestly, just because Francesco is just that much of a dick, like... Francesco is the Catholic Church's sword, and um, I would say Katarina is more the olive branch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she has to keep a cool head at all times, and like her getting to lose her shit when Abel quote unquote dies, like that was really mm-hmm. good. Um. So yeah, like. AX is really absolutely fucking solid all around. Indeed. Steph. Oh boy. Let's see how quickly I can go through this because there's a lot of them. Uh, so in agreement with John Bergmeier as Father Hugh, he doesn't really say much at all. But John's good. I like John as Hugh. Um, sword man. Beat the shit out of things. I really love Phil Parsons as Leon. He's <laughs> he has a snark and a sass to him, and he's also has he's <laughs> he's one of those kinds of 
characters or people who's like, I don't get a paid enough for this shit. <laughs> With instead of like being in fucking jail was better than this. <laughs> um, but no, like he he has some snark and sass to him, but he also is very very kind and is just very encouraging. Uh, the Neverland episode where you're introduced to Leon is a delight because of that. Uh, where are we now? Noelle! I love Sister Noelle. I'm so I forgot Sister Noelle dies after like eight episodes. And I was very sad because I love Christine's performance as Noelle. She's just, she, she acts in like a big sister role to Esther when Esther's first brought into the Vatican to be part of AX. And then she's also <laughs> very sassy. She's a sassy, sassy sister. And, um, just, she just wants to not only, she's very dedicated to her work and her role, but she also wants to have a little bit of fun. The whole deal in Barcelona <laughs> was like a delight in her being drunk, but God damn it. All she just wanted was an answer from Abel. That's all. <laughs> It's just like, fuck you, dude. Um, but no, I really love Christine as Noelle. Uh, Chris Sabat as Father Tr Father Trace. Um, his is very interesting. Um, because it it weird oddly enough for me, the monotone voice. I I did like it, but there were some points where it kind of came off as flat. It excelled a bit more in the dry comedic portion that Trace has to offer, though, because the kind of humor that Father Trace has is more dry, which works, considering this is a fucking robot. Um, but there are moments where some of the monotone performance kind of fell a touch flat to me. Uh, it was very few and far between, um, but it happened on occasion. Uh, but it was fine otherwise. Gwendolyn Lau is Kate Scott. I fucking love her. <laughs> Kate is great. She's another one. Like, basically, like, all of the sisters in AX are sassy as shit. <laughs> and I love it. Like, Noelle is sassy as fuck. Esther has her moments where she is sassy. And Kate Scott is just like, oh, I love Gwendolyn Lau. I actually didn't have any notes on Kate's, did I? No, she has a bright presence with a touch of of static because she's a hologram we see majority of the time so that's on a little bit of a technical element um but it works very well and her encounters like i think patrick was saying with the professor uh william walter wardsworth and, and jason douglas were just <laughs> so fun um <laughs> jason blows up shit in his office are you fucking kidding me I thought we were under attack by like an electro like magnetic force or some shit yeah you bastard <laughs> Like, it's great. Oh, like, the, the whole... I made a fucky-walkie. Yeah, the whole episode where Esther is on... Gone on a tour of the Vatican when she's first brought into AX is just fucking comedic gold. Um, and then, speaking of Jason, he's also... <sighs> Jason is a very nonchalant <laughs> kind of presence. Like, he's very matter-of-fact and nonchalant about it, but he has, like... A lot of- the tone of voice also is just, like, he has, like, a peaked interest in, like, everything. Like, about technology and sciences and things like that. And he's turns into a fucking crazy inventor half the time. He's like, oh, but the- <laughs> the Aston Martin. 
The the fact that he is a wacky, crazy inventor actually makes a ton of sense once you learn that Albion is basically the capital of all lost technology. Right. So the the Aston Martin, and uh, when it transforms and it gets the fucking wings and shit, and he's like, ah, I figured, I was thinking something like this could happen someday, so I made some modifications. Though it may not be that stable still right now, and Leon's just like, fuck you, what? <laughs> which leads to probably my favorite William Wather's uh, line from him, which I wrote down, yeah. which was, um, oh, that's good. Let me find it. Uh, your criticism isn't constructive, but you are right. That is it. <laughs> That is it. But you're right. Uh, it was great. Um, like, the nonchalant and kind of the more humorous approach to Walter's William Walter's character is just great, and I love Jason so much for that. Lydia McKay as um, her eminence, Katarina Sforza. Um, it is a very good, a very phenomenal presence in the show. Because like you guys were saying, she is essentially the moral ground for Pope Alessandro to stand on. Because where Francisco is just like, fuck all the vampires, we gotta blow them up, they're fucking terrorists. Katarina's like, are you fucking stupid? It's like, you don't even want to, like, there's a better way to do this. There's a more peaceful way to do this. And she, like Patrick said, she is the olive branch in this situation where she wants to, she'd rather find a way to peacefully um, end conflict rather than just go guns a-blazing and go and Leroy Jenkins on bitches. Um, And Lydia does a phenomenal job just having this grace and this regal sense and tone to her. And it just, like... She carries the. She really like carries and takes charge in the scenes that she's in, and it's just fantastic. And I love her for that. All the AX members are so much fun. <laughs> like legit, they are. All right, cool. Are we ready to move on to the next section? Yep. We're almost there. Almost done. Two more sections, and we're done. Hell yeah! Woohoo! Let's talk about the two biggest Methuselah friends to the to the AX. Astroche Astron and Eon Fortuna. Astroche Astron is the, oh god, Duchess of Moldova. Thank you. Who is a kind of loud, angry woman who ends up kind of relying on Abel as his, uh, her tovarish. And they become partners in crime. She is genuinely a badass and the reason why I'm bisexual. <laughs> I mean, makes sense. Uh, Eon Fortuna is the Earl of Memphis. He is a young-looking boy who kind of has the worst week ever. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he gets betrayed by his Tavarish. He gets accused of murder. He gets shot with a gun that makes him blood crazy. Um, but he also falls in love with the Queen of England. So, yeah. I mean, things could be worse. Uh, playing Osterose Ostrad is Carrie Savage, and playing Eon Fortuna is Aaron Dismute. Carrie Savage and those characters such as Zaze, Rainy Day, and Negima, uh, the Mokanas in both Subasa Reservoir Chronicle and Triple Xolic, and to hurt everybody in the world, Satsuki, Yugi, uh, Gimisuka, and Lunar Legend Tsukihime. Oh boy. Uh, Aaron Dismuke, you'll know his characters as Alphon Elric in the original Fullmetal Alchemist, uh, the original hero Soma in the 2001 version of Fruits Basket, and as Shura in Yu Yu Hakusho Ghost Files. Uh, Patrick, you're going first. Okay. 
Um, I'll I'll start with um with Carrie Savage with Carrie Savage um as Esterosh. Um I did not I didn't know she had a big girl voice, honestly. Um Yeah, it's rare that you hear it. Very rare. Like I'm not too too familiar with her performances because they were all like at the point where I wasn't particularly big on Funimation dubs, not not that I had a beef with them, they were just a little further and farther between in my experience. Mm. Um, yeah, mainly I was a Jenny on, so it would have been like California and Canadian dubs I would have been more familiar with. Um, yeah, she's big, she's brash. Um, she is really confident in what she's capable of doing. Um, and yeah, it, it was, it's really great. And then the, um, oh, I don't remember much of her first appearance. I think it was like episode 11 or 12. Oh yeah. Where they're tracking down, uh, Chris Patton. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't remember a lot of the, about that episode, but thankfully she gets to come back for the, um, for the big M for the big arc where they meet the Empress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so good. Um Do I look like a rat? <laughs> <laughs> she has that line, yes. <laughs> Love it. Can we talk about how good the one liners in the show are? Oh, they're fun. Yes, they are very good. They're fun. Um, and she gets a couple of fun ones. Oh yeah. Um the the biggest one being the do I look like a, a sewer rat to you? Mm. When Abel was talking about, oh yeah, we're in a boat. We've got water all around us. It's like, fuck off, Abel. It's I also like how she uses her fucking spear laser as a fucking motorboat propeller. Yes. <laughs> it was good. Absolutely it was like a rocket. It was like, Mert. And now here we are at the critique of the hour. Oh boy. Aaron Dismuke as Eon. Um, I don't know when Trinity Blood was recorded in relation to Full Metal Alchemist. I could potentially tell you, but probably, we'll get to that. probably a year or two after. Yeah, I think this was like. Oh, I think the show itself aired in like '05, and I think it was on Adult Swim by like '06. So, so weirdly enough, um. A lot of Wikipedia pages have for filmographies in order, chronological order of when the show first, like, came to be. Um, Aaron Dismuke's Wikipedia page is actually a little bit different because it's in chronological order when he had those roles. So, uh, Fullmetal Alchemist originally ended in 05 for him. Um, and Trinity Below was the following year. As okay. well as, uh, as well as uh, Conqueror of Shambhala. So... Yeah, and everyone between... says you can kind of hear it in Shambhala too. Yep. Honestly, between um, it's it's like a very known fact that um, around the time of Trinity Blood and Conqueror of Shambhala, um, Aaron Dismuke was going through puberty, mm -hmm. and his voice got really crackly and squeaky. Yes. Honestly, it's a thing that, personally, I think it was to the detriment of his performance as, um, 
in Full Metal in the Full Metal Alchemist movie. Mm. But here as Eon, I sort of like Greg Ayers as a pope, I think it lent a lot to the performance. Like mm. a lot. Um I know people might find the sort of the sort of squeaky crackliness to his voice um, in Trinity Blood a little detracting. Um, I know a few people in my in my friend in my main friend circle um, definitely felt that way, but like it helps. The character acts a little bit immature for what is presumably I don't know it. He seems like he's probably, like, 100, 200 years old at least. Like, one of those older characters in a younger body kind of deals. But he's also really brash and impulsive and... Like, I think that lent a lot to sort of the the character's personality. Is I guess, I guess what yeah. I'm trying to get at here. Um, and honestly, Eon has probably one of the most progressive story arcs in the show, other than maybe Esther. Yeah. Like, he goes through a saga. Um, when you first meet him in Carthage, all the way to when he's exposing the assassination attempt on the Empress of the Methuselah. Um, and then in the very last episode... Either right before or right after the credits. I can't remember if it was like a sizzler reel. Um, he basically decides to travel with Abel to kill Kane. It's like right after the credits. Yeah. Or no, right before it. Or right in the middle. It's around it's, there. But yeah, he, he decides to to abandon uh, the mission with uh, Asta. Or, and travel with uh, Abel. Which I... I'm really curious about that story arc because um, I, if I recall correctly, the show does not go too too far into the story of Trinity Blood, and there's like a lot of light novels and manga that came afterward. That is kind that was kind of dicked around with in the U.S. because it was licensed by a certain company. Oh, go boy. fuck yourself, Stu Levy. Wink, wink. It's Tokyo Pop. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Tokyo Pop. <laughs> cough, cough. Um, but yeah, like, I really like Darren Dismeek's performance in this. I, I want to say I wasn't too big on it when it first aired on Adult Swim, but now that I've come back around to the show, um, it definitely helped. Yeah, and I'll. Are you good, or do yeah, you want me to? Or do you want to still go? Uh, I'll pick up from here. Uh, I'll keep on the Air the Aaron train. I think a lot of people have memed on it over the years. That they're in the years like, haha, Aaron's going through puberty kind of things. But to me, he actually carried a lot of the, the dub of this show to me. Yes. I thought he was phenomenal in this. I thought that he he gives Eon not only a sense of childishness. But Eon, like you said, goes through probably one of the hardest emotional arcs of the whole show. And to me, I think the moment that culminated it was when, in the last episode of that arc, when he and Esther are 
Or imprisoned. Imprisoned, and he got shot with the, um... Oh, with the blood serum? He got sh- With the- Yeah, with and he's- With some weird experimental drug that made him want to drink blood. Yeah, uncontrollably. Um, the, the speech he talks about with Esther, how he wants to die as himself. Mm-hmm. Um, that he doesn't want to die uh, being a mindless monster. That he wants to go out as Eon, the person that she knew. And how he stabs himself. I thought that was one of the most beautiful scenes in the whole show. Just his acting between him and Esther's acting. And I honestly think that the voice cracking works because Methuselah aging is really fucky. And we don't know how it works. And also just that childish naivete that he believes that Radu can't be evil. And how much it breaks him as a child being forced to grow up so fast in service of her his empress. Um... And then, uh, Asta at- Carrie Savage's Asta has always been one of my favorite performances. A lot of people will say it's also very screechy, but I think that she gives Asta this power in command of, like, a hotshot young woman who has overcome the death of her- her former master. Because in that episode, you learn that she used to not be this huge badass. She used to be a very shy, cowardice young woman who- became hardened because her her first Tavadish was killed but and she's hardened her heart so much that she has to reopen it up to Abel as this very awesome platonic friendship between the two of them and the part where Eon and Asta learn that Abel has died broke my heart because you could see how hard it hit Asta to lose another Tavarish. But I also really like that kind of cheeky thing in his performance. It's like, whatever happened to the Earl of Memphis? She's like, gee, I don't know, guys. <laughs> but, like, genuinely, these are two of, two of some of the best performances in the show. And I genuinely want to give credit to Aaron Dismuke above all. Because um, there was this time period where I think Aaron wasn't as in the forefront of being in dubs like he is now again. Yeah. Yeah. And this was kind of the start of it. And... I, I genuinely think that his performance holds up more than well enough in these last couple of years. So, uh, Steph, your turn. Oh, oh, oh. Um, I'm gonna start with Carrie. I love Carrie Savage as Astoroche. Um, she is, she has a touch of youthfulness to her. Because, like you just said, um, when she was a little, slightly younger woman, um, she had to go through this ordeal where fucking Chris Patton was a dick and held her hostage, and then her her Tovarish was killed, and all this fun shit. So she did harden her heart, but that touch of like youthfulness is still there. Um, and yeah, Astra is tough as fucking nails, and it's great. She doesn't fucking care. Like when we were introduced to her. She's, like you said, her heart is so hardened at that point that it, it takes a bit for her walls to kind of start coming down a little bit the more she's with Abel. And because of that, she become, because of that, she's a little bit more reckless. And, like, she's determined to, like, complete her mission, but she's a bit more reckless about it. Um, to, to the point where civilians got hurt because of sh- shit that's happening. Um... 
so she starts to like open up a bit more and like starts to trust in people again um which again which makes her partnership and her friendship with Abel just so wonderful and I love the dynamic between Carrie and um Abel's actor as well uh it's Carrie's probably one of my favorite performances and like you were saying Patrick you don't really ever hear a big girl Carrie <laughs> savage no I'm more used to her in like um a family silver wing than yeah, she's also fucking, um, she's in fairy tale. She's Mira Jane's sister, right? Lizana. Lizana, thank you. And then my favorite, of course, because it's fucking me, <laughs> Maromi. Take a rest. Take a rest. Take a rest. Take a, yeah. Um, but no, like, this is a very different Carrie than what you would normally see her as. And she's just phenomenal. Um... Yes. Uh, I'm going to be the slight bad guy in all this. Um, I know you are. I'm you are, you, for it. you already know that I will be. Um, so Aaron is Eon. For the most part, I really, really loved it. For the most part. Because, as you guys were saying, he has the naivete and the childlike qualities Um that Ian portrays throughout the course of the show, and he goes through a fuck ton of shit um, over the course of just those two arcs, essentially, in the middle of the fucking show. And it's that progression that makes it one of my... Uh, that progression of the character that makes it one of my favorite arcs in the whole show, too. Um, and Aaron is just phenomenal with that. <sighs> the memes have been overdone. Please stop doing these memes. It's been over a fucking decade. Stop. It's over 15 years, actually. Stop. Um, I gotta stand up. Because cause the small, the one drawback with Aaron's performance is the loud moments. And it starts getting to the point where the voice kind of does get strained a touch. Just a touch. They happen on occasion when he like, gets really yelling and like loud and aggressive um it's just a touch but it's to no fault of aaron's own absolutely no fault of his own it's just it's, he's just growing up and his voice is changing it's part of fucking life this is no fault of his own right um like people like folks back then could like made fun of it all fucking day like it was known in the community way back in the way back when and it just it's been memed all to hell, so stop memeing it all to hell, please. Um, and so, <laughs> it sucks. That is the one drawback with Aaron's performance that I have with Eon. Is those tiny, tiny moments where it, it, it has those tiny, tiny voice cracks that seem to me almost like he was straining a touch. That's it. And it's to no fault of his own. But I love the emotional progression. I loved the quiet moments where he has to, like, take everything in and, like, and, like, and, um, not analyze it. Um, fuck's the word. Uh, Process? Thank you. Process everything that's happened because he goes through a lot of shit in the span of basically, what, almost ten episodes in the whole fucking show? Um, yeah. 
So there's a lot there. And it's a credit to Aaron that he's able to really bring that to the forefront. And it's done so well. It's just a minor thing and it's no fault of his own. But otherwise, I really liked it so much. Stop fucking memeing on puberty Aaron Dismuke, you bitches. <laughs> it's been 15 fucking years. Stop. That's it. I'm done. Alright, you're good with everything Asta too? Yes, they are both good. Okay, cool. Let's move on to our final section Yay! of our main two characters. We can do it. We, we can do it. We've been recording since 2.30, guys. Um, technically, no, yeah. Not technically, yeah. It was a little closer to three because we were waiting on my nephew to get home from school. I'm still, I'm very tired and I would like to go eat more food. Mm, You're good. Let's go. All right. So our main two characters are Esther Blanchett. She's a nun that was originally in, Esther is originally a nun that uh, gets tricked by Dietrich into committing some murders and then Abel teaches her murder is wrong and she goes to the AX and eventually you find out that she is the one true heir to the Albinian throne being the only child of the assassinated prince who sent her to that city knowing that his time was up. Uh, Esther ends up becoming the emotional heart in in Abel's kind of emotional chain. Mm -hmm. Abel Nightroad is a seemingly bumbling poor priest who works for the AX who manages to get his way into trouble. In truth, he is a Kruznik, a vampire who eats other vampires powered by nanomachines and has taken a vow not to kill or eat a ton uh, due to the events prior to the series where he... Uh, helped start Armageddon, obviously, and his number one enemy is Kane. And by the end of the series, he gets to have the I can be your angle or your devil fight <laughs> over the church <laughs> yep. and goes on to walk the world alone out to destroy Kane. Playing Esther Blanchett is Colleen Clinkenbeard, and playing Abel Nightrow is Troy Baker. Colleen Clinkenbeard denotes characters such as Rachel Moore in Case Closed, Reina Soho in The Witchblade, and Yuko Ichihara in both Subasa and Triple uh, X-Holic. Troy Baker, uh, who is more known for his video game work these days. However, he got he got his start seemingly at Funimation as characters such as Koga Genosuke in Basilisk, Alfonso in Gunslinger Girl, and because I needed to say this name, Count Heinrich von King Kinkle in Moonface. What fucking kind of name is that? Heinrich von Kinkle. Heinrich von Kinkle. Steph, start us off. Okay. Alright. Oh, man. This is the second time, I think, in a hot minute that I'm talking about an early Colleen role before Luffy th- was a- Luffy came into existence and changed some of her vocal vocal cords and shit. Um, I love er- early Colleen stuff a lot. It- it's very very different than how she sounds now. But um, Esther is just the sweetest thing. She's the sweetest, and like you said, she is the heart uh, of the whole. She's the heart of the show essentially. Um, because she's the one who, ha- like, put like gives more understanding. She's the one who's, um, wow, I can talk. She's the one who kind of helps change the viewpoint of a lot of people. Um, 
such as Eon, such as uh, Pope Alessandro. Um, she helps, like, her kind heart helps grow and change the hearts and minds of these various people. It, it move the hearts and minds of these people. And then you find out she's actually the fucking crown princess by the end of it. And it's like, oh, okay. Her spiel in episode 24 to the crowd that's, like, trying to bust their way into... Uh, what could potentially be Buckingham Palace, essentially. Oh no, it's straight up is Buckingham Palace. Straight up. Um, it was just so, like, full of compassion and um, power and just sympathy. Uh, it, and I think it worked really well for Colleen. Uh, Colleen is just a fucking delight as Esther Blanchett, and I love her so much. Early Troy Baker is a fucking trip, guys. Oh Yeah. Early Troy Baker is a fucking trip. Because, of course, this is my introduction to Troy Baker back in the day. Yeah. So. Same. <laughs> and, of course, like, the next time I ever saw or heard Troy's name fucking pop up again was freaking, um, uh, Last of Us. <laughs> it's fucking Joel. And you're just like, hold on. <laughs> Wait, not, not FMA. Oh, right. You've never seen Brotherhood. I've not seen Brotherhood. Um, I was like, not Brotherhood? No, I haven't seen fucking Brotherhood. No, I haven't. So, and so going from fucking... <laughs> dorky ass April Night Road and going to fucking Joel. It's like whiplash. It's like, holy shit, guys. Um, but, oh, sweet lord. Um, <laughs> April's such a fucking dork. He can be, for the most part, he is an absolute dork. <laughs> like, we mentioned earlier how he took a vow of poverty, right? <laughs> he has such fun comedic moments with that. Like, his first introduction in the entire show is him just, like, at the bar, just, like, sulking. Because he doesn't have fucking money to get food. And he's like, I've taken a vow of poverty. I don't get paid until, like, maybe next week. <laughs> I must survive until then. <laughs> and he's just, like, wasting away. And the same similar, like, gag comes up uh, later on. I think when when we're going to the Empire um, and Abel and Esther are envoys for, uh, Vatican envoys for Eon um, to talk to the Empress. <laughs> Esther and Eon are, like, just are worried about him and he's just on the floor like oh and esther's just like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> like are you fucking for real able like what the shit no he has such a fun comedic presence it's great but you also know what that comedic tone and that comedic presence that abel has is essentially a mask in a way because when Abel gets pissed, and he goes, like, full Krusnik mode on 40%, people. 40%, actually. What? Technically 40%. Yeah, 40%. 80%, and then you have episode 24. Um, Railgun, Angel! <laughs> like, he, like, drops the facade very quickly when shit gets real. And then... It becomes so dark and menacing, especially in the moments where you can see that he could potentially lose control of himself. Um, 
an example of that being fucking <laughs> Tank Radu. Um, boom goes the Radu. Boom goes the Radu. Where I think it's either the first or the second time that Abel went 80% Kruznik. I think the first time was with um, Isaac. Um, but, like, he starts to lose himself a little bit more. And also because you just learned a few episodes prior that he took a vow never to kill anyone. Um, after what happened to Lilith, um, which predates the show. But it's very interesting and it makes the performance a bit more complex where, like, 75% of the time, Abel's a bumbling fucking idiot. But then the other 25% of the time, he's this complex, dark, and mysterious being that, especially with Esther, um, she's trying to figure out and wants to understand him, right? So, Troy plays those sides very, very well, and I think it's a, it's phenomenal. It's one of, it's definitely a very entertaining performance, that's for sure. Um, but, again, y'all, early Troy Baker is a fucking trip. <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say. Oh, yeah. Patrick? Okay, uh, who do I start with? Who do I start with? Um... I'm just going to go with Colleen as Esther again. Um, I love the sort of calm, big sisterly energy she gives off through most of her story arc. Except when, like, moments of extreme emotion call for something different. Um, she is just the emotional anchor of everyone around her. But can we talk for a second about the bullshit of the end of her story arc. Um, no, because it's awesome. Fuck you. <laughs> She's the Queen of England now. Like, no, it's not bullshit. They had been hinting at something, remember? Because she has a fucking star birthmark on her back. Yeah, no, they've they've, they've been hinting at it They the were hinting time. on it the whole time. Oh, maybe time. I just wasn't paying attention then. She is the yeah, literal they star up... of hope. Yeah, Dietrich literally calls her the star of hope point mm -hmm. very early on yep oh how weird um and then you have them when they're in the empire and she's in the bath with astra and she astra's the one who points out the birthmark i think yeah. yeah she asks her if it's a scar right so they have been like drop little hints of it throughout the course of the show but then it just does kind of come out of nowhere like the what it actually is yeah i i kind of get it but they were hinting at it throughout honestly too so because the whole thing is like the original queen of albion was looking for the star oh fuck the star of the whole... <laughs> what? yeah there you go but <laughs> it... mom i'm going to give my grand my kid the most obvious name esther and then it's like oh, oh yeah your name means the Star of Hope. And I'm just like, oh, fuck. She, she's going to be made Queen of England, isn't she? There's not enough sword Surprise! pulling here. It's, it's too easy nowadays. It's as a ton of fucking bricks. It's as subtle as a bunch of ton of fucking bricks. Um, but in all, I, I, I like Colleen's performance at the very least. Um, like, she has to go through a lot of emotional shit, like, more so than even Eon. So, like... As, like, one of the early... Early Funimation dubs, this is... 
and one of Colleen's earlier appearances. This is this is great. And I mean, also with Troy Baker as Abel, um, this is probably the most mid two thousands Funimation casting I could have possibly imagined. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Um, because you know. People like to complain about, oh, Funimation uses the same people for their leads. You should have been around 15 years ago. Yeah. Because they're, like, Funimation's doing a really great job of getting different people to play leads in their shows and major characters. Mm -hmm. It's also just the fact that they're picking up a lot and dubbing a lot that you probably notice a lot of patterns. Mm -hmm. Anyway, off, off that little tangent right there, um, Troy Baker as Abel is great. I don't particularly connect Troy Baker with comedic roles, except maybe, like, regular show. Which, if, if you didn't know, he played Thomas, the, the sheep dude. I've never seen regular show. The next yeah. closest comedic role I could see is, um, I'm going into video game land. Reese from Tales of the Borderlands has a little bit of comedic okay. chops to him. I've never played that one. Um, I haven't played it, but I've seen, like, playthroughs of it. Um, it's kind of similar. Well, no, it's not doofy stupid. It's more, like, cocky stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so... But honestly, yeah, Troy Baker playing a big doof is great. Mm -hmm. um, which, as you mentioned, is basically a mask for his true persona. Right. Um, the stoic kind of um, Avenger who is... Well, I guess he didn't know for a while that his brother was still alive. Right? Like, it had to be told yeah, to him. he didn't know until Seth... Yeah, Seth had told. Okay. Yeah, Seth was the one who let him know, yeah. But I, they just assumed that he was dead after being, like, yeeted into the atmosphere. Like, I'm sorry. If you yeet somebody into the atmosphere, like, they, they should be dead. N not fucking caned! Oh, that Clearly! Cane, that cane, what are we gonna do with him? Um, but he's uh, a stoic... Can we, him, can we eat him into the next universe? Maybe they can deal with it. Oh, just the, uh, the, uh, Mike and Sully Kingdom Hearts 3 version. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, which we need to get you I'm, and Andrew Steph, playing that. have you ever that. seen that? Seen what? We have you oh, you guys haven't seen that. Seen what? The, the, you'll get, we'll, we'll explain when you're older. <laughs> um, anyway. I need more context than that, but okay. Uh, to you, yeah, he's, he's sort of a stoic Avenger warrior kind of character. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I love how down and out he was when Noel was killed. Yeah. And then there was another... There was another point where he was just kind of not there anymore. And somebody died, and I can't remember who. Isn't it when he dies? <laughs> I mean, that's more Sister Esther, but, um... I, I feel like there was a second was moment, it? like, in Albion, where he was just kind of... It's when he lets them into Albion. That's okay. what it is. Mm. Like, he, he's just not there, and he's mopey, and I, I really like that, too. They're, the character is complicated, and, like, 
the 100% Kruznik fight at the final episode was great. I don't think they explicitly said it was 100%, but you know it's 100%. About to say, there's no way you can't say it's not 100% when you've already seen how Abel is at 40 and 80 fucking percent. 80% is when I you can be your angle or your devil. <laughs> the 80% is when he starts actually getting like the fucking Raildex lightning rod happening here. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's basically Devil Man and Satan. So, yeah. But that was really that was really cool and like these are just cool characters and really good performances attached to them, so thumbs up. Oh. Oh. Sorry, sorry guys, I'm not bored, I'm just tired. No, oh, I hear you. You're good. No, so Esther is... It's Colleen as Esther. My bad. Uh, she does a really good job, and one of the things you guys haven't pointed out is, in her first introduction arc, she is an asshole. Yeah, Oh, good that's point, true. yeah. Yeah. Like, she is not this nice, happy person. She is a depressed person on the hellbent on revenge of the only mother figure she's ever known. You're right. And it takes her realizing that she's been duped by Dietrich to kill people. Mm-hmm. That this is not how things should have gone. Right. And that scene where Kent dresses her up as his wife. Yeah, that was a little creepy. First yeah, it's it's vampire series. I it's know. Part for the book. Still creepy, but though. just the whole part where he offers her the gun and she goes for it, and and Troy's performance on top of Esther, violence is wrong. Um, violence but is I, not the answer. Esther. The answer, Esther, no violence, no. And then it ends up turning around that she has to be the violence, no. Yeah. Um. And I think. That, that part where she sees Abel at, I think, 40 or 80% and because he has used Eon bleeding out as his food. Yes. Mm-hmm. And her, like, the really painful screams that she says, get away from me, monster. Mm-hmm. And Troy's, the, the, the mix effect on Troy's, like, kind of this scream of pain and horror because he doesn't ever want Esther to see that him like that again because he cares for her in some way. Yeah. Like, it's not love, it's not, like, romantic love, but he does genuinely care for her. Which is why when he can go to kill Cain and she- he sees her, she stops. He stops. Yep. And that's what lets Cain kill him. And I think that Troy does definitely nail the very goofy bumbling thing. I actually thought uh, he was played by John Bergmeier as a teenager. Really? Yeah, I thought that was John Bergmeier. I can kind of uh, see the confusion a little bit. It 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 sounded very much like Doof Shigure. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but back to Colleen. I think that Colleen really does nail the parts where Esther becomes this more kind and diplomatic person. And that she doesn't really... She unwillingly breaks barriers at some point. Like where she saves Alejandro and, and is like, Oh, come on, you can't be like that. Or how... Uh, she's the only person to call Seth, Seth in front of everybody. And everybody's like, uh, Esther? Yeah. I mean, it was at Seth's request. Yeah. Well, no, the first time it wasn't. Oh, true. Um, but man, again, that scene of the cell in Eon where Eon's being cold to her and she's like, no, I don't want to kill you. It's not like that. And they have this misunderstanding to which also be that line of Asta being like, they don't live terribly long, you know. Right. Toward, and they... I also for, 
And then I also love when she's in the church and uh, Kane comes up to her and she has this moment of, who are you? And I forgot to talk about how well Mike delivers this line. He goes, I'm a Kruznik. I'm a being that needs nothing, yet at the same time, I need everything. Yeah. Yeah. Which really transitions me into Troy's performance. And it's a performance that takes a lot to get into, but outputs a lot. Because he has to play basically two characters in one body, there is again the Abel, like you said, that presents himself to the world. And then there's the true Abel deep down underneath, who at one point resented humanity for what humanity had done to him. Yeah. Because, uh, again, also would have preferred them to get a, a different actor for child Abel, because um, he pushes his range a little too high. But that child able where Lilith is like, did you get into a fight again? And he says how much he wants to destroy humanity. You realize that Abel has seen so much death and destruction and that he has to put up that facade lest he becomes something that takes everything again. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think Troy does a masterful job of that. And um, he walks that fine line. And for a 15-year-old performance, it still holds up beyond well to this day. Um... So with that, let's move into some final thoughts, starting with Patrick. Yeah, the this was an interesting show to revisit because it has been, if not 15 years, almost. And even then, it was bits and pieces. Um, putting everything together was kind of an interesting little, little experiment. Um, it is definitely... Evo the dub itself is... Um, a little evocative of mid-2000s Funimation jank. Um, but it is... There's a lot of character in that. Like... There's a lot of character in jank. Because I don't mean that as an insult. I mean that as... Uh, a lot of interesting things Funimation doesn't quite do nearly as much with shows like Trinity Blood. Um... Yeah. It feels like they have a lot of fun with it. Um, whereas, you know, if if Trinity Blood were a show that came out this year, and let's say for the sake of argument, they got the exact same cast that they that they had for two thousand five, um, I feel like it would have been a completely different product. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, what we have is just so hammy and like it's just fun. Like, you watch this show for fun. Uh, I do actually... I do actually recommend it. Um, actually, really highly. Um, just because, yeah, the show the show is dumb, but it's dumb fun. So, by all means, give it a check out. I, I'm basically done. Okay, Steph? Huh. So, Critical Darling, this probably is not... Um, but Patrick is 100% right. It is dumb fun. That's essentially what Trinity Blood is. <laughs> it's dumb fun. Um, my critical brain probably yelled at a couple of of stupid inconsistencies with the story. <laughs> like, it, Trinity Blood is a show that you should not go into having the brain turned on. You should have it turned off. Unfortunately, sometimes when I, when I have to, like, be critical about the dubs that we talk about, my brain turns on, and then I notice weird consistencies with story and it bugs the shit out of me but i digress um in terms of the dub 
for lack of better phrasing, it is a product of its time. Um, it is still in the early early stages of Funimation, rather early stages, and it's post Full Metal Alchemist, which at that point to date, to that date, was the biggest property they had that was not Dragon Ball Z. Um, granted, I would argue Fruits Basket, but that's just me. Um, but that Full Metal Alchemist was basically the show where it's like, oh shit, it's one of those, it's the shit's getting real moment, if that makes sense. Kind of like we like when actors come to us and we're like, "Oh, you did this and this. We, you talked about this and this." And we're like, "Oh, fuck! This is getting real." Oh boy! It's one of those. Yeah. It's one of those. Trinity Blood is one of those where it's like, after FMA is like, "Shit's getting real, guys." So they actually like are progressing and moving forward, and like things are expanding more and more during this time. Um, mm-hmm. It had its benefits. It had slight drawbacks during this. Um, the dub itself is really solid for a 2006, 2005-2006 um, English dub. The one technical flaw is the mixing on it, um, but that's the only real technical flaw. Um, but yeah, like as it's as a fun as a piece of fun, stupid, fun, stupid time. Please go watch it. It doesn't get enough love nowadays, so. Um, and don't fuck, when you watch it, don't fucking meme Aaron again, please. Just don't. <laughs> so I'm going to take the opposite approach that this is a show that you should just turn your brain off to and watch. I think this is actually a fairly smart show that has a lot of really cool world building. It's a little convoluted, yes, but there are more convoluted isekai that come out this day that people can just follow on pretty easily. So there's that. I think this has a lot of fun characters. It has a lot of really fun performances. Do I think this holds up as well as something like Wolf's Reign or Last Exile? Absolutely not. This is probably a step below them as a dub. Hell, I'd say it's a step below uh, FMA, which at that point in time would be considered the pinnacle of what Funimation had done. Um, That being said, is this a bad dub? No, it holds up very well for being 15 years old. There's a lot of really fun performances. I think that the standouts are definitely Colleen, Troy, and Aaron. As much as people would like to make fun of Aaron going through puberty, I still think he carries the show's emotional weight for Eon Fortuna as uh, this very well, it's well crafted. Um, the mix is a little off, but you it, you will survive. It's not like listening to uh, Eric Vale recording to a dumpster like a, 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 dun- a trash can, like uh, Fruits Basket, the original. Um, or Eric Vale recording while sick during the first episode of Death Parade. <laughs> yeah, but like, this is this is genuinely a fun dub and a good time. It is... It's just something that I can say I fully recommend the show. I fully recommend the sub. I genuinely forgot how much I really enjoyed this series. Um, and I guess that's my final thoughts is just please go watch it and make your own judgment. I, I do genuinely think that this dub holds up better than a lot of people give it credit for. Trinity and Blood needs more love nowadays than people give it credit for. Yeah, they, they don't make shows like this they really anymore. Don't. There's... There's not a lot of really ambitious sci-fi made anymore mm-hmm. to me, and combining vampires and science fiction and, and all that stuff is a lot of fun. Um, if you'd like to watch Trinity Blood, you can watch it all subbed and dubbed over at Funimation.com, as well as pick it up. I believe it is on their Classics line yes, for Blu-ray. It is. I have the set. That's what I use to watch it. Yeah, they have it on their Classics line. 
Uh, however, if you would like to read the original source material, go fuck yourself, Stu Levy. <laughs> uh, it is. It has been. It was never actually fully released uh, in the U.S. Even when Tokyo Pop had its license, because you know Tokyo Pop went under, and then they came back with Cockroach. Um, I would probably like follow pester us, like Seven Seas and uh, Yen Press. Yeah, pest, yeah. pester Sevens, pester Seven Seas. They'd probably be the ones to grab it. Um. Yeah, so, like, really, though, apparently, this is a, again, this is also seriously a series that was based off a late novel before it became popular to adapt those. Yeah. Um, so, uh, if you'd like to follow us, we are, uh, also, just, like, a sad fun fact, unfortunately, if you, if you didn't catch it, the anime is actually dedicated to the original author. Is it really? Yes, he passed away right before the anime was made. Oh, no way! That's awesome. Yeah. I knew he passed, but I well, didn't sad, know it was right but... before the, the anime was released. I didn't know that. Yeah, he passed away in, um, I believe he passed away in 04. Hmm. Yeah, he passed away in July of 2004. Uh, also, apparently, um, the, the magazine that it, um, ran in, uh, actually tanked in popularity because the author passed away. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Trinity Blood was very popular in that magazine. Holy shit. Um, but speaking of us, we are the Dub Talk Podcast. You can follow us at Dub Talk Podcast on Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, where we stream. Um, if you'd like to give us a donation, it's a one-time thing. We do have a Kofi link. Uh, but we also do have a Patreon where you can support us. I need to get the Patreon list. Give me one second. Oh, I didn't give that to you. Shit, my bad. It's on the Google sheet. Yeah, it's still up to date, I believe. There we go. Patrons. Uh, our patrons at the $5 here, we have my mom and dad, Michelle Travis, who I know is probably going to be more excited than anyone that we did this. <laughs> um, yes! <laughs> Miraculous Corazon, Nico Robin, but with Yowie Hands, Sue Tweed, and Victor Mavorda. Our ten dollar tier, Carly Lestacal, Crimson Echidna, J- Crimson Echidna, Jacob Wilson, Jared Hawkins, Julia W, Marissa Lenti, Melissa Sen- Millicent Snowberry, and Otaku Anthony. Guys, show yourself really quickly. I'll, I'll I'll go real quick. Hello, my name is Stephanie. People sometimes call me Lilac. You can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review with review spelled R E V U E. I have a blog, Life and Has a Talk with that WordPress.com that I barely update uh, speaking of the twitch i have also been streaming over on the twitch we just moved over to sundays um and let jet have thursdays now uh as a side note you can also listen to dub talk on spotify and apple podcasts thank you have a good night <laughs> patrick i'm patrick aka roots of justice you can find me on the twitter.com at roots of justice mainly retweet cute animal pics talk general phantom stuff it's a fun time you should come see me um blog stuff coming soon um i'm trying to do a new thing for these um Patrick's cool thing of the day. I did one for the episode that's coming out next week, um, but I can't think of one right now, so it'll have. I'll do another one next time. Oh, I have an extra side note. Dub Talk also now has a second channel, Dub Talk Gaming, where our vod, uh, where our stream archive is going to be held. Um, you can find the links probably in the description of this video. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Yes, thank you. And I'm Megan. You can follow me at Queen02, where I ship posts on the regular retweet art and hope that you all don't see the porn artists I follow. <laughs> um, Mood. With that being said, uh, 
we bid you a good night and ask everybody to otaku on, my friends. Bye, buddy. Have a good night. Happy Halloween! Otaku on that, Daba. And remember, no stoner is cool enough to give your kid a bag of edibles. <laughs> Don't believe that bullshit. <laughs> hey, guys. God. What if what if we put test tube babies with nanomachines to colonate Mars? <gasps> oh my god. We need fuck. We should do that. Fund it. God, we need fund it. Fund it. Let's go. Kickstart it now. Good night, everybody. Good night, guys. Good night, everybody.